Old Man Winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice and a good polar vortex. Oh, <laughs> heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, Old Man Winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. I'm Rob Cherry in solo this afternoon. Rob Ellis worked the morning shift. A lot going on today, a lot going on this weekend. And today, of course, is also the first day of February, which means what? February has a beginning and it has an ending. It's got the Super Bowl, which ends the football season. Spring training, which begins the baseball season. The NFL Combine at the end of the month. The Pro Football Hall of Fame announcements, which are actual, actually tonight. We'll go over the ballot a little later. The NBA All-Star Game in a couple of weeks. The NBA Trade Deadline in a few days. Groundhog's Day. President's Day. And this year, every four years, Leap Day. So we have an extra day. What would we do without that extra day? So, anyway, Super Bowl 54 tomorrow evening in Miami. It's the Chiefs and 49ers. The, the 49ers have come out of nowhere. What were they, 4-12 and 12 last year? I think that's happened once before. The Rams did it in 1998. They were 12 and 4-12, uh, and 12, and the next year they were whatever they were. They lost their last game to the Eagles that year, but it didn't matter. They'd already clinched everything. The 49ers also came out of nowhere to win their very first Super Bowl, 1981 season. I believe they were 6-10 and 10 the year before that, going nowhere. They didn't even know who their quarterback was in 1980. They were trying to figure out if it should be Steve DeBerg or some guy who was a third-round draft pick named Joe Montana. They settled on Montana. The rest is history. Now, this team doesn't have Joe Montana. They've got Garoppolo. But this is for the, uh, for the 49ers. They have the best winning percentage in Super Bowl history. A team that's been in the Super Bowl, for any team that's been there more than five times, if you've been there twice and won twice, that doesn't count. Or once and won once, that doesn't count either. I'm saying for a team in the 53 Super Bowls so far that's been there five times or more, best winning percentage, they're 5-1. and one. Hard as it is to believe, though, they haven't won a Super Bowl in 25 years. When they capped off their fifth title in 14 years in the 1994 season, the most interesting part of that season, 1994, the Eagles beat them 40-8 to in San Francisco. People in San Francisco at that point were calling for Steve Young's head. They were calling for George Seifert's head. They booed the, they booed the 49ers out of Candlestick Park, a team that had won four championships relatively recent to that, 81-93, through 93. They'd won four already. They got booed in their own ballpark. The postscript, of course, the 49ers righted the ship. They won, uh, they won the Super Bowl that year. Crushed the, I think it was the Chargers that year. The Eagles, who were three and one after that win, won four of their next five, went to seven and two, looked like a pretty good team, and lost their last seven games. And Rich Kotite got fired. So the Chiefs, the Chiefs' history is this: they were in the very first Super Bowl 
They lost to the Packers in Super Bowl one, and the leagues had the leagues were talking about merging, but they actually hadn't merged yet. There was the AFL and the NFL, the American Football League, the National Football League, and the game was actually broadcast on two networks. And it wasn't like it was with different announcers, same game, different announcers, different broadcast crews, because of the merger, CBS and NBC broadcast. And I I can't tell you who it was. I would guess Kurt Gowdy on NBC, CBS. I'm not sure. Anyway, the the uh, Chiefs up. They lost that game. The Packers blew them out, and it looked like the the it looked like the merger shouldn't happen because one league was league was a lot weaker than the other. But by Super Bowl four, when they actually had merged, the Chiefs were back, and they upset the Vikings, who were heavily favored. And that's it. That was fifty years ago. Their last time in. So they haven't been there in fifty years. The 49ers haven't been there in twenty five years. 49ers have an 833 percentage in the Super Bowl, 5 and 1, best ever. Packers and Giants are both 4 and 1. Steelers are next, they're 6 and they've got the most, they're tied for the most. They're 6 and 2, which is a 750 percentage. The Cowboys are 5 and 3, so they've got a 625 percentage. Raiders 600, Redskins 600, both are 3 and 2. Patriots have been in the most Super Bowls, they're 6 and 5, 545, and the Broncos are 3 and 5. I think they lost their first four before Elway. In Elway's later years, they won two. And speaking of Elway, the Andy Reid and Kyle Shanahan, that's the coaching matchup. And and I, and I know everybody talked about Andy Reid this week, and it's natural because Andy Reid coached here, not because he should be appreciated more. But Shanahan, to me, is a better story. He, he If he wins, if 40, the 49ers win – they become the first father-son combination to win a Super Bowl because his father, Mike, was with uh, Elway and the Broncos in the late 90s, back-to-back. The elder Shanahan was a head coach of the Raiders, had a falling out with Al Davis. It cost him his job. I think Al Davis wanted to call the plays. At least that, that sounds about right. Shanahan wanted to call the plays himself. And Al Davis was a coach at one point, so it's not like he didn't know what he was talking about. It's just that he was a little delusional there. So Shanahan gets fired by the Raiders, resurfaces with the 49ers, and they win that Super Bowl the year the Eagles beat him in 1994. He was their offensive coordinator. He gets a job with the Broncos, and three years later they win a Super Bowl. And the Niners defensive coordinator that day, when they won the Super Bowl, Ray Rhodes, the last time they won, he gets a job with the Eagles. He was like the third or fourth choice. Dick Vermeule, I think, was the first choice, but something happened there with him and Jeff Lurie. Ray Rose becomes the Eagles coach and goes to the Eagles. Years later, Kyle Shanahan, is, and then he's replaced by Andy Reid, obviously. But Kyle Shanahan, years later, the son of Mike Shanahan, I think his first job was in Houston. Then he gets hired by his father with the Redskins as offensive coordinator. And you're thinking, well, that, that, can't, that can't work out that well. Guy hires his son to be his offensive coordinator, and the team wasn't very good. Well, they decided in the first year that Kyle Shanahan was there with Mike Shanahan as the Raiders, uh, the uh, Redskins coach, they decided the new quarterback doesn't fit their offense, and he can't run a two-minute drill. So eventually they benched him for the last several games. That quarterback was Donovan McNabb. He got benched for Rex Grossman. And the highlight of that year, 2010, 
McNabb's Redskins. This all ties up. Ties. I'm going to tie it up at some point. The highlight of McNabb's Redskins career, which was all of one season, was when they beat the Eagles at the link, after which McNabb said, laughingly, they made a mistake because the Eagles should have caught him. They made a mistake. The Skins were 2-2 two and two after that win. They collapsed shortly thereafter, went 4-8 and eight the rest of the way, and finished 6-10. and 10. Eagles ended up 10-6 and six that year, made the playoffs with Michael Vick as the quarterback. And McNabb's career was over by the next season. And here's how I'm tying it up. This past Thursday, like two days ago, who does Andy Reid bring in to speak to the Chiefs? The only quarterback he previously had worked with in the Super Bowl, Donovan McNabb, to give him a pep talk. What was he thinking 15 years later? Neither Reid nor McNabb has a reasonable explanation 15 years later as to why they took their time in the fourth quarter, down 10 points and time wasting away. But, yeah, bring in Donovan McNabb to talk to your team. Why not? I, I can't say I have fond memories of Andy Reid. I didn't hate the man. He was a very good coach. It, it just seemed to me, listening to all his press conferences, all his explanations, he always seemed to try his, to tell us that up was down and that down was up and that what we saw didn't really happen. Just It just always seemed that way. He was never straight up. The fact that they never – came clean about what happened in the Super Bowl. And every time it comes up, if they do answer it, it's some sort of explanation that's like, that's not true. No, I'm not rooting for him. But you remember the old deal with the devil? We used to talk about this at WIP for years. When they, they couldn't win a Super Bowl, they'd get close, but they didn't win. The deal with the devil was, would you take 10 years of contending or one Super Bowl win? And I always said, I'm tired of contending. I want a Super Bowl win. And that feeling we had two years ago. Because we had 10 years, we had 20 years, we had 30 years of contending. 1978 was when they started contending. And finally ended in 2000, 2017 season. That's 40 years. Because the 10 years of contending we had under Andy Reid, or even 14 years if you want to say all 14 years, but they weren't. They always ended in agony under Andy Reid. Why would I want him to finish the job somewhere else when all we got here was agony at the end of a season? Yeah, we got contention, but we got agony. Doug, give me Doug Peterson every day of the week. He delivered. Doug delivered. Andy didn't. So that's what I have to. That's what I have to say. <laughs> Why would you bring in Donovan McNabb to talk to, talk to your team? All right, uh, here's what I want. Uh, one of the things I wanted to get to today with the Super Bowl on people's minds. Rank the n- best non-Super Bowl, non-Eagles Super Bowl. Obviously, the best Super Bowl ever is the Eagles Super Bowl, right? But what was the best other than that one? What was the best Super Bowl ever? I have a, a few that I have in mind. One as a kid, one as a uh, young adult, one as an older adult. But what was the best Super Bowl ever aside from the Eagles? Also, um, we're going to see one quarterback who's considered, if not the best in football, the second best. He was the best last year. This year the best was another guy. But other than, than those two guys, who would you rather have than Carson Wentz? Other than Pat Mahomes and, and Jackson, Lamar Jackson, who would you rather have than Carson Wentz? Because for next season, going into next season, I'm not talking about Tom Brady's career or Drew Brees' career. I'm talking about for next season. Because beside those two guys, I'm not sure there's anybody I'd rather have and rather want 
than Carson Wentz. And so those are some of the football things we'll talk about. We'll get into the Hall of Fame and all that that's going on with that. Um, also, the Sixers are on a road trip that began with a disaster in Atlanta, not just because they lost. The Hawks had the worst record in the East. I mean, they're brutal. And you could have, what did they get beat by, like 15? And the Hawks, like, held them off all night. I think they got as close as five, maybe. You lost to the Atlanta Hawks. And now you have Boston, Miami, and Milwaukee on the road. Boston's tonight. So I, they, they just do not look like a team who can or will make a playoff run this season. They look like a team who could go out in the first round. And, and I'm sorry, it's not all about Ben Simmons and his reluctance to shoot. He's not the problem. Not on this team. There, there's a lot, of, a lot more problems they have than Ben Simmons. And I'm not sure if it's coaching. I'm not sure what it is, if, it, if it's what the team that was put together, which would be the general manager and Brett Brown. But there's something wrong with this team, especially when they go on the road. I mean, this team is a killer at home. A week ago, one week ago, we were, they played the best team in the West. And, boy, things have changed in a week. Got it. it it's – a week ago today, Rob Ellis were, and I were talking about whether LeBron would get booed at uh, when he passes Kobe Bryant a week ago tonight uh, at, at the uh, Wells Fargo Center. And, yeah, LeBron passed him. LeBron got, LeBron got cheered. And the Sixers blew out the Lakers. They blew out the best team in the West. A month ago, they blew out the best team in the East. Christmas Day. But in between and before that and now even after that, they're losing to teams like Atlanta. They're 22 and 22 and 2 at home, best record in the NBA, but on the road at home, not so hot. All right, some other things I wanted to get to as well. Uh we're very provincial. So, we're not programmed to root for anybody other than people that play for our local teams. And I think that's why most people weren't rooting for Kobe Bryant when he was a Laker, when he came in. The Lakers, the Lakers are an enemy of the Sixers. Even when the Sixers aren't good, they're still considered, you know, they, they've won so much. But I wanted to ask people, because I'm not sure Kobe was one of those. Kobe was larger than life. And there are some players that are larger than life that people root for around here. But because he was a Laker, I don't think as many people would have rooted for him. Let's say if he was a San Antonio Spur, I think a lot of people would have rooted for him. But because he was a Laker, I think that had a lot to do with it. But I want to ask people who they rooted for. Root for now or rooted for in the past a superstar, or maybe not even a superstar, that played for another team. I'm sure no one's going to say Sidney Crosby because that's a natural enemy. Uh, I'm not sure about certain players like Magic Johnson or Larry Bird, but anybody that's played, whether it's recent or, or in the past, someone you rooted for that played for another team. Because we don't do that around here. We're not. We're very provincial. We rarely, you know, give it up for opposing players. There's a couple, but there's not that many. All right, numbers 888-729-9494 and pound 9494, your AT&T Verizon wireless cell phone. Let's uh, see if I can get a phone call in here, if I can figure out how to uh, – all right, let's do this. Uh, that doesn't work either. My mouse doesn't work. Oh, here it is. Adam in the Northeast. You're on 94 WIP. Go hey, ahead. how you doing? Good, Adam. Go ahead. Uh, first, I wanted to say the guy I would root for. The guy I rooted for was uh, Ovechkin when he when they went to the championship. 
Really? When I went to Stanley Cup. Really? Yeah, I like the I like Ovechkin. I think the guy puts a lot of hard work and just doesn't get it. See, I, you know, I would find I, get I'm surprised that Flyer fans or hockey fans from around here would root for anybody other than somebody that wore a flyer a Flyer uniform at some point. Ovechkin. Yeah, okay. I, I like the I like the Flyers. I just wish if you ever watch, you know, it's, it's not the same. Like when you watch playoff hockey, you watch Boston, you watch Washington, and it's. They're exciting to watch. You know, I'm always going to root for the Flyers, but I'm just saying it's they're just more exciting to watch. And I don't know, I don't, I don't understand why, but I'm just saying like the way their style is, it's not like the Flyers. It's like they have speed. You know? they have speed. The Flyers don't have speed. Right, yeah. and they have you know, and the passing is a lot more crisp, and you know, it's just you know, I, I root for the Flyers. I hope they get there someday, but I was rooting for Ovechkin. I, I like, I just think he's a good guy. Right. Okay. But I called because I wanted to – you just heard your comment about, about Andy Reid, about how, you you know, 10 years of contending versus a Super Bowl, and you were saying that you would take Peterson any day over the week over a guy who's been here for 10, 14 years, four, four NFC championship games, one Super Bowl, which, again, I know he didn't win. But the fact that – the fact that people, I guess, root against him – like I don't get it. Like Peterson won us. He won a, a Super Bowl. Peterson didn't win the Super Bowl. We go to. We're learning that now. It was Frank Reich and Filippo who won the Super Bowl. Yeah, because you, right you, now you have to give credit to the head coach for putting people in place and not interfering or just allowing him to do their thing. He gets credit for that. I, I understand. I understand. I, like a credit. I know coaches get credit whether they win or they lose. It's always them. I get. I get that. But you see now, Doug Peterson is an average coach. Hold on a he's second. Winning, the last two fair. years, the last two years, his team was in an abyss. They looked like they were headed nowhere. He got the team from nowhere to, to the playoffs again. Okay, but you're not, but what I'm saying, I know I'm not saying he's a bad coach. I'm not. I'm just saying that for a guy like he, barely, you know, this team has barely made the play, playoffs in the last couple of years, and I understand that everybody's been hurt. Look at all the injuries but, they've had. I mean, that's got to be some sort of a factor, right? It is. I'm not saying, like, they've had some bad luck. I ain't going to lie. They've had some really bad luck, especially with Deshaun. I'm just saying that Andy Reid, for 10 years, I, I get it. It was He built us up and he let us down. He built us up and he let us down. That's the, Listen, they were contenders. We always had hope. But guess what? This guy delivered a championship. That's all we ever wanted, right? I get it. I, I, I'm not saying that. I, I get it. I, I understand that all. What I'm saying is Andy, but if it wasn't for Andy changing the culture here in Philadelphia. Hold on a second. None of this would have. You, you think the Eagles never won before Andy Reid got here? They were contenders. No, let me ask a question. They, they've been contenders no, since 1978. I understand that, but after a tick for meal, you had Buddy Ryan. Yeah, had, and Buddy Ryan had, had winning teams, and they both had winning teams. But they, they didn't go to the but Super Bowl. They never Bowl. got to the playoffs. Well, they, but also, they never even got in the playoffs. They also weren't here fifteen years, fourteen years. I mean, come on. I, I'm not saying I, Buddy Ryan was the I'm greatest just, coach, but maybe if you gave him a few more years, maybe he would have gone a little further. Maybe I not. I feel that if you would have gave Buddy Ryan, I feel if you gave Buddy Ryan some receivers. You know what I mean? Then probably they win. You know, because you, know, you look at Randall Cunningham. He went on to Minnesota and took them to the NFC Championship game. You know, and he was old. 
Look, I I, so, I, I mean the guy. I, I agree with that. I if if they had given Randall Cunningham better receivers and and or a running game because he didn't have a running game, uh, and an offensive line. His offensive line was horrible. Yeah, they would have gone further. I think they would have gone further. But that that's a personnel thing, and that's part of you know buddy. One of Buddy's flaws was he concentrated on defense, didn't do much on offense. All right, eight 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 seven two nine ninety four ninety four and pound ninety four ninety four. Your AT and T Verizon wireless cell phone. WIP Sports Time is three twenty. Sports Radio 94, WIP, 2020 Sports. Brought to you by Bud Light Seltzer. I'm Sue Schilling, and tomorrow is the much-anticipated Super Bowl 54 taking place in Miami between Andy Reid's Chiefs and the 49ers. And former Eagle Hugh Douglas joined WIP earlier this week and talked about Reid's former players pulling for him to hoist that Lombardi trophy. I cannot remember a time where I saw Coach Reed going through what he went through, show any any sign of weakness, and he was always prepared, like for real. And and I know, you know, looking at my Twitter feed and people saying this and that about Coach, listen, the man needs, regardless, win or lose, he needs to be respected for what he did for the players, you know, and, and, and the way that he rolled for the city, like he did. It's unfortunate that we couldn't get the Super Bowl, the first one. We should have had at least two. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna lie about that. We should have had two. We didn't get it. It's unfortunate. But Coach Reed's a hell of a coach, man. Watch the Super Bowl this Sunday at the Post in University City for the Go Birds Podcast Watch Party. Enjoy Bud Light Seltzer Specials all game. Details at 94wip.com slash events. CBS 3 Eyewitness weather. Scattered rain showers tonight. Maybe even some snow showers as well. Little to no accumulation, however. Expected low 35. Post uh, mostly cloudy tomorrow and breezy. Slight chance for a p.m. shower. High 46. It's 41 in Philadelphia to stream 94 WIP. Get our podcast and all the latest stories in Philadelphia sports. Go to the all-new 94WIP.com. 2020 Sports on Sports Radio 94 WIP. Everybody make mistakes in their lifetime, and they made one last year, so. (laughs) Thank you. So that's the guy. That's Donovan in 2010 with the Redskins. Ripping the Eagles after they beat him, saying they made a mistake getting rid of him. That's the guy who Andy Reid brings in to speak to his team. All right, I think we're done here. 888 729 9494 and pound 9494, your ATT, Verizon Wireless cell phone. Let's get to uh, is this Griff in Allentown? Griff in Allentown, you're a 94. Yes, yes, it is. How are you doing today? Good, good, go ahead. I, I I I agree with you. I would give up uh, I would give up ten years of confidence for one championship any day. But I think people have a really short memory when it comes to Andy Reid. I mean, this is a guy who got down twenty four to nothing against Houston. Okay, and, and Houston delivered that game to them on a silver platter. So I, I'm not sure where this love affair with Andy Reid is coming from. They should have lost that game two weeks ago. And it would be the that same coach, old Andy That Reed. coach, Bill O'Brien, did the worst coaching job I've ever seen with a lead. It was the worst. I mean, between the fourth and one call and then the fake punt, I, I mean, if, if I don't know if – I mean, do you give credit to Andy Reid or do you give no, credit to the no, fact you, that you, he's you got say, the best court? This guy just decided, you know, we had momentum. Let's give it all back to the other team by having a fake punt. Exactly. I mean, and the fourth and one call, which was in today's in today's NFL is absolutely absurd. It's not like Andy Reid went to the locker room at halftime, came up with some, you know, monstrous scheme for the second half. No, he had Pat Mahomes. He had three fantastic receivers and he had the other team melt down. So I don't think that Andy Reid did anything this year that he's done any other year other than finally he got lucky.
Well, now that said, I'm rooting for Andy Reid because lucky. I like Andy Reid when he was in Philadelphia. He got lucky, and the Baltimore he, was eliminated. They didn't have to face him. Exactly, and, and I mean he got he got lucky. And more, now, now the irony is, last year you might say on that offsides call, maybe he got a little bit unlucky. Sometimes in life, things balance out. But I I, I love Andy Reid. I think he's a great guy. I just think that this love affair with Andy Reid has got to stop a little bit because they really don't belong in the Super Bowl this year, except for their exceptional talent. And then my last point, uh, I I, got to say Derek Jeter is the guy that I would root for. If uh, I, I couldn't help but not root for Jeter being an Arden Phillies fan, them being in the American League, and with the exception of 08, 09, having to face them head up. I don't know how you can't root for Derek Jeter. I thought he was as genuine a player as there was in baseball. So, other than that, thanks for your time. Thanks. I like Jeter, but he's a Yankee. (laughs) I have trouble rooting for any Yankees since I became an adult. Even as a kid, I couldn't root for the Yankees. No, I I could never root for any Yankee. Anybody that was a great player somewhere else goes to the Yankees. No, I can't stand them. No. But Jeter's a guy that you could say, well, yeah, he's a Yankee, but I don't hate him. Because basically that's how I feel about Jeter. I, I, I respect him. I like him. But, no, I couldn't root for him. He played for the Yankees. I could never – Yan- well, I wanted him to succeed but everybody else to fail on that team. Yeah, basically. Basically, I never want the Yankees to win anything. The Yankees have won too much. No, I wouldn't root for any Yankee. But, yeah, Jeter – if there's one guy, it would probably be Jeter. You could root for for the Yankees. Daniel in Lansdowne, you're a 94 WIP. Hey, how you doing, guys? Good. Go ahead. Hey, I'm doing all right. Um, one player I used to root for all the time growing up was uh, Tim Duncan on the Spurs. Yeah, he see Duncan. Duncan's a great guy to root for because he's they, they called him the big fundamental. He did everything right. Plus, what he did exactly what Popovich said about him is why everybody bought into his their style is that he could yell at Duncan and Duncan could take it. You think any, any NBA star today could take it if the coach yelled at him? Oh, absolutely not. You imagine if uh, – who's the coach over there in L.A.? Uh, Vogel yells at um, – Frank Vogel. LeBron. Yeah. LeBron, yeah, LeBron's just going to laugh at him and be like, all right, whatever you say. That's not happening. He ain't even going to pay him no mind. Yeah. No. But back in the day when you had those Spurs, I mean, Popovich was hands down probably one of the greatest NBA coaches of all time. He's, he's, he's I mean, I think phenomenal. What he's done with the talent that, he, that they brought in there – well, I think he's even better than Phil Jackson. Phil Jackson was a master psychologist, but th- what what he did with guys that you know were like from all over the world, basically, to get them to buy into his system, he's phenomenal. Yes, he is. Yeah. And then um, I want to touch base on the Super Bowl, yeah, go if ahead. I can. Go ahead. Um, I mean, it's going to be, I think, hands down, one of the best Super Bowls we've had besides the Eagles. Patriots Super Bowl right. in the last five or six years. I mean, I think just overall, the Chiefs offense is just phenomenal this year, and then that 49ers defense, they're phenomenal. I keep so thinking, it's going to be, I think, a, a back-and-forth game. I keep thinking and the 49ers... Whoever's defense... Go ahead. I keep thinking the 49ers are going to be exposed, but they haven't been exposed yet. They just keep playing and playing and playing on. I know. I've been all year. I've been like, I'm not sold on the 49ers. Ah, they're just, yeah, they've had an easy schedule. And then all of a sudden, the last part of their season, they start playing a little bit more tougher teams. They get in the playoffs. And then what they did to Green Bay in the playoffs, I was like, uh, you know what? This could be a real team this year. They're that good. They are that good. And, you know, they just don't, teams generally don't come out of nowhere and win Super Bowls. 
but they have the look of a team that, that did come out of nowhere and is going to win a Super Bowl. Now, do you think some of that has to do with Jimmy G being there behind Brady and under Belichick's realm? You think you think he picked up some things from Belichick and Brady, and now he's incorporated in the San Fran? Well, he must have had he must have picked something up from playing with those guys or playing watching Tom Brady a little bit and, and playing under Belichick. But I'm not sure. I, I Kyle Shanahan's a pretty good offensive coordinator. I don't know how they lost. Or the 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 Super Bowl against the uh, uh, the Patriots, how they lost that one, but uh, he's he's done a pretty good job as as coordinator with uh, with with Atlanta, and obviously a pretty good job in San Francisco. So he deserves some credit too. Yes, he does. All right. Well, I just wanted to uh, you know put my little input on there with uh, Tim Duncan. Right. I'll let you get back to your day here. That's a good one. Thanks for your call. I appreciate it. Tim Duncan's a perfect example of somebody that the, que- the question I had because we're so provincial. We don't. We're not programmed to root for anybody other than someone that wears a Sixer uniform, or a Flyers uniform, or a Phillies uniform, or a Eagles uniform. Who have you rooted for that played for another team? And it, it's not going to be an enemy. It's not going to. Rarely are you going to root for say anybody that plays for the Patriots because the two times the Eagles have played in the Super Bowl recently, the Patriots were there. You're not going to root for them. All right. What do you got, Anthony? Who do you root for? Uh, growing up, I used to root for well, other than Kobe, because I, I, I really did love Kobe. I used to root for Tracy McGrady. That was really my favorite player. T Mac, T Mac, him and AI were my favorite. Yeah, Tracy McGrady. Which uh, which version? Injuries of Tra- killed him. Which version of Tracy McGrady? I grew up loving Orlando, but right. I also loved uh, Houston too. You know the thirteen second uh, miracle he did against the Spurs. So you know just a lot of good memories with him. Hall Tracy, of Famer. Tracy McGrady. That's that's a good one. He, you're right. His career was cut short because of injuries. He was, he also went right from high school to pros. Yep, played with uh, his cousin Vince Carter too in Toronto. That's, that's where he right. went. That's right. He played with Vince Carter. And I'm trying to think. Was that before Kobe? I was, think it was after. Was it after yeah, Kobe? I think he was, was drafted after '97 uh, or '98. Look up and see which uh, who and Toronto drafted him. I want to see where where he was actually drafted because Kobe was Kobe was the first guard. To go straight from the pros to the straight from uh, high school to the NBA, uh, first significant guard. I don't. I, there may have been other people that did it, but didn't didn't amount to anything. Kobe was the first guard that did it, which is why people were skeptical, thinking there's no way you can do it as a guard. T Mac played for. Uh, yeah, the, Kobe was drafted in '97. Uh, Kobe was in the '96 draft. Uh, so T Mac was '97 by Toronto. What was he like? The 12th pick. 13th. 13th pick. Well, that's close enough. All right. Was it the 97 draft? Uh, who did the Sixers take that year? Was that Larry Hughes or was that the next year? Yep, it was Larry, Larry Hughes. Larry Hughes. Was 90, 97? I thought it was 98. First overall pick that year was what? All right, we'll get to that in a bit. All right, uh, Jay in Roxborough. Jay, you're on 94 WIP. <coughs> go ahead, Jay. Hello? Hello? Yeah, go ahead. Hey. Yeah, I, I, I was uh, – I told your producer another, another guy, but more I think about it, you know, uh, between Randall and Brett Favre, those were guys that I always rooted for equally. Yeah, Randall. I don't care where was, they played. Aunt Randall, the only time I didn't root for him was when he was with the Cowboys. But you know, right? That, that's understandable. Right. That was that was a hard one, but I was yeah. still rooting for Randall. But Minnesota Rand, I love Minnesota Randall. Yeah, yeah, that guy. Now that that Randall, that was a that was a good Randall there. That you know was very easy to root for that guy. Plus, you know, you had that. Chris Carter connection and, and uh, Moss, 
just that whole team. I, I just like them all. You yeah, know, that was so, a fun team to watch. That that was one of those teams yeah. that should have won a Super Bowl that year, but didn't. Yeah, uh, coaching decisions. I, also, I wanted to jump on take talk a little bit about that Andy Reid thing. You know, um, I, that bringing in Donovan. I don't get that. You know, uh, Don, Donovan. You know, that was the worst guy to bring in because, especially talking to a guy like Patrick Mahomes, because what Mahomes has that Donovan didn't have is Mahomes is willing to forego that whole thing about, well, I don't want to be known as a running quarterback. You know, Donovan held us back four years in a row because he didn't want to tuck that ball and go get a first down or two when the field was open for him to run. So I'm going to never forgive him for that. Yeah, Don- Donovan, Donovan came out and said, yeah, I don't want to be known as a running quarterback. And you're right. He kind of stopped himself from running when, in fact, the first couple of years he was here, the reason why the Eagles advanced as far as they did, not because he had great receivers or a great running game, because Donovan could do things with his legs. And right. that's what that's what made him right. on a par at that point, or almost on a par with Manning and Brady, because he did things they couldn't do that made him one of the top five quarterbacks in the league. And then he stopped doing that. Yep. He should have rolled with that. He was so uh like uh focused on being noticed noted noted as this uh smart quarterback, this uh, you know, I'm gonna say it, you know, because he's a black quarterback, I guess he was battling with this can I be a smart, you know, drop back passer kind of guy when uh we we already saw that he was capable of doing that. So you don't need you don't need to prove that anymore. Now go win some games with your leg. Well, exactly. You know, Why not do things to win games and just say, "Well, I got to prove people." No, how about doing what what you do best to help your set, help the yeah. team win games? Yep, and that's why you know personally, I hope he never gets in the Hall of Fame because a Hall of Famer to me is somebody that would win at any cost. I always go back to that uh, John Elway thing in the Super Bowl when this guy jumped up in the hair and had that helicopter spin, you know, and, and you know that was a guy that said. Listen, I've been here a few times. I've lost each time. I'm tired of losing, you know. And when John Elway jumped in that air and got spun around and they went on to win that bowl, I said, that's what Donovan is missing. He he never had that moment where he said, I'm tired of losing, you know. And I, I just think that, you know, uh, Andy bringing a guy like, like that in to talk, well, he, he's not the best guy to listen to. No, you know, I, I thought that was a really. I mean, I understand the connection he has with him, but I just thought that was a. That's not the guy you bring in. Yeah, yeah, yep. Yeah. Okay, Rob, but I just wanted to throw that out. All right, thanks, appreciate it. Thanks. All right. All right. Let's get to uh, Jim in California. Jim, you're a ninety four WIP. Hey, Rob. Yeah, go ahead, Jim. Hey, Rob. Uh, just a question. You had mentioned the Super Bowl winning percentages. I thought the Giants had the best four for four. No, they lost one. They lost their. Uh, they lost in two, the year the 2000 Super Bowl or the year of two, the 2000 season to the uh, Ravens. Got shut out by the Ravens, I believe. You don't. Remember? Oh, really? No, I thought it was. I thought 87. No. Then uh, the one uh, Phil Hostetler won, and then the two Eli won. Well, you. Yeah, the, I don't they, think they've been in. The... No, they played the Ravens in the 2000 in the 2000 season. It was actually in 2001, but it was the 2000 season. They played the Ravens and lost. Got shut out. Really? You don't remember that? In the Super Bowl. It was a terrible no. Super Bowl. That was Ray Lewis' Super Bowl. Oh, okay. Yeah, you're right. Trent Dilfer, right, was the quarterback in that one. <laughs> I was just going to ask who the quarterback yeah. was because I couldn't remember. Yeah, it was Trent Dilfer. <laughs> when they said anybody yeah. can win a Super Bowl because Trent Dilfer won it. 
And that's the conversation. Yeah, you're right. The worst quarterback to win a Super Bowl is probably Trent Dilfer. So, yeah. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, that was... I, I listen to you guys all the time. I live in Berkeley, California. I'm not an Eagles fan, but I like your station. Well, thank you. I'm actually a Chicago Bears fan and Chicago fan in general because I lived in, lived in Berkeley, which is right next to San Francisco, for over 30 years. And it's interesting, um, the Super Bowl. You know, we have a lot of people from all over the country here, but you wouldn't know the Super Bowl is tomorrow. There's just not a whole lot of – I'm sure in Philly it was crazy here. It's – you know, they expect to win. and well, aren't, aren't, aren't a lot of people in Berkeley Raiders fans because Oakland's so close they to They were. I think they are. Uh, but, you know, we have allegiances all over here. You know, people are Warriors fans, and they're in San Francisco now. So it's kind of an interesting dynamics here. They've, they've won a lot of championships here since I've been here. And it's just, uh, you know, it's if they're if they're doing well, it's great. There are a core group of 49ers fans, but when they had those lean years, Oh, by the way, you mentioned the last time they were in the Super Bowl was '94, but actually in 2013 they were in the Super well, no, Bowl. The last time they won, they lost. The last time they won, they, they actually, won. Yeah. yeah, yeah, right, right. I said they haven't yeah, won so this in 25 their, years. Yeah, yeah. So this is their seventh Super Bowl. I mean, they have a pretty good winning history, and uh, I, I think I think the Niners will win, but uh, it'll be really interesting because I think it will come down to Garoppolo. I don't think they're going to be able to run for 300 yards again or close to 300 yards again so well, it's going to be kansas really city, interesting kansas city's not good at stopping a run and the 49ers are a running team if that were them i'd run all day yeah yeah that's that's true and you know i i know you don't care for andy reed i'm really surprised i mean if if the bears had a coach like andy reed he'd be canonized you know like mike ditka and yeah, but ditka uh, won a people super keep bowl. talking about ditka won a super bowl well, that's the yeah, only reason he, he was canonized he and do, he played there he didn't do much else. I mean, he was a loud mouth and, you know, just kind of a well, bully. Who was the Bears? You the Bears, guys got our – The Bears coach that lost the Super Bowl was a very good coach. Lovey Smith had trouble getting a job other yeah. places. So, well, well, they fired him, and he, he's actually coaching at the University of Illinois now. So right, right. He was with uh, um, but, Tampa know. for a while maybe? Yeah, I think he was there for a couple of years and, and got fired. But, yeah, I mean, I, I'm not – I don't have a real rooting interest in this one. I mean uh, – I wouldn't mind if Andy Reid actually won one because I think uh, he is a pretty good coach. He he I, definitely saw the potential in Patrick Mahomes and a lot of other. By the way, teams you know you know, where, you know where Andy Reid got his start coaching San Francisco. Yeah, State. San Francisco State. Yeah, yeah exactly. Hard, hard he used to, to sell hot dogs. It was a nice article about him there. Uh, but uh, yeah, he sold, it, well, it, hold on. He, sure he, he sold hot dogs. <laughs> what in the yeah, stands? As a, a graduate, he was yeah, a, vendor? a graduate assistant. I didn't, yep. I didn't, well, they used to they used to have this thing before the game. You know, San Francisco State is a small. I listen. State, I, I, uh, lived, I lived. I actually worked at San Francisco. Thanks for your call. I actually worked at San Francisco State for a short while at their bookstore when I was living out in San Francisco. I didn't know they had a football team, honestly. And it was around right before Andy Reid got there, early '80s. Didn't know they had a football team. Didn't know they had a football stadium either. That's what I knew. 888-729-90. But I think it's funny that he sold hot dogs there. As it was his first job as an assistant coach and selling hot dogs. 888-729-9494, pound 94, your AT&T Verizon wireless cell phone. WIP Sports Time 343. Sports Radio 94, WIP 2020 Sports. Brought to you by Parks Casino and Sportsbook. I'm Sue Schilling. Super Bowl 54 tomorrow in Miami between Andy Reid's Chiefs and the 49ers and Chiefs tight end Travis Kelsey. The brother of the Eagles, Jason Kelsey, says he's been able to draw from the experiences of the Eagles Super Bowl from two years ago. 
It was a very unique situation because I got to see it almost secondhand and really kind of in the background of the Eagles, asking my brother everything that was going on that week. You know, it was unique how tight of a team they were, how, the, how their chemistry, they just felt like they were a brotherhood, even from the outside in. You could just tell how, how tight-knit that group was. With that being said, I think this team is the exact same feeling going into it, how much we appreciate each other and, and have fun on the field with each other and, you know, make sure we're doing the right thing so we're accountable for each other. Get a risk-free bet of up to $500 on the big game. Download Parks Casino Sportsbook app or go to parkscasino.com slash PA for details. Parks, the only sportsbook backed by the number one casino in Pennsylvania. Must be 21 gambling problem. Call 1-800-GAMBLER. CBS 3 Eyewitness weather. Scattered rain or snow showers possible tonight. Little to no accumulation expected. Low 35, mostly cloudy tomorrow. Breezy, slight chance for a p.m. shower. High Tomorrow, 46, it's 41 in Philadelphia to stream 94 WIP. Get our podcast and all the latest stories in Philadelphia sports. Go to the all-new 94WIP.com. 2020 Sports on Sports Radio 94 WIP. All right, numbers 888-729-9494, pound 9494, your AT&T, Verizon Wireless, cell phone. I'm Rob Cherry. Tomorrow afternoon, Super Bowl coverage starts at 2. The game itself kicks off around 6.30. Who's doing the national anthem tomorrow? Do we know? Demi Lovato? Thought I thought that's what I might have heard. Um, anyway, there's all kinds of pomp and circumstance going on before the game. Four, four, we have a four-and-a-half-hour pregame show. I'm sure Fox has an even longer pregame show than that. Uh, today, uh, Tonight, of course, Sixers play the Celtics in Boston. Second game of four in a row. It's an odd road trip. You go to Atlanta, and then instead of going to Miami, you go to Boston and then to Miami, and then you go to Milwaukee. So, all right. Uh, one of the things we're talking about uh, today is your favorite – basically the anybody you rooted for that's played for another team, because we never root for people that don't play here. We generally don't. But there's some people that are larger than life, some athletes that are larger than life that people root for. I'm sure there are people that are Michael Jordan fans – uh, even though you're a Sixer fan, even though they played them two years in a row in the playoffs in the late, I guess it was early 90s, 1991, and Jordan knocked them out both times. First, I don't think they won either year, though. I don't think they won until 92, but they knocked them out each time. But there were there were Jordan fans. There were Now, there were Iverson fans here that followed Iverson when he went to other teams. I, you know, the very few players, when they leave here, I'll still follow them or still care about them, let's put it that way, still like them. Uh, in that category, I Randall was in that category for me. Randall Cunningham, when he played in Minnesota, loved him. Iverson, when he played everywhere else, I wanted him to fail because he didn't. Not that he didn't deliver here. I didn't like the way it ended here. When he came back, it was great. Loved him when he came back. When he was in other places, he dissed his coach. He got traded basically because he tried to usurp his coach, Maurice Cheeks. Maurice Cheeks is a legend here, Hall of Famer. He wasn't at the time. He is now only because they didn't recognize him until then, until recently. But now to me, Iverson, when he went other places, I couldn't follow. And I, I never understood that. It's like you're either a Sixers fan or you're not. You're going to follow another team because Iverson left? It's like if Embiid or Simmons left, yeah, you'd maybe like him, but you still want the team here to win more. It's like it's not like one guy means more than the team. I mean, who was rooting for McNabb when he went to the Redskins? Nobody. No, you weren't rooting for you – don't, you don't, that's why I don't understand you root for a coach when he goes somewhere else. 
unless there's a reason to do that. I mean, if a coach wins somewhere else before he wins here, it's like that's well, he should have won here. I didn't. I actually didn't mind when Larry Brown won with Detroit because Larry Brown to me was a hall. Every place he went, he fixed, and he went to a lot of distressed places, including Philadelphia, including the Clippers, including everywhere he went was distressed basically, and he be, he made them winners. And I'm not sure how good Detroit was before he got there. Nothing special for sure. But he got him to win a championship, and I think they won a championship against the Lakers, so that's probably why I rooted for him, because I don't like the Lakers. Anyway, someone you rooted for that played for another thing. For instance, I was I was a Joe Montana fan. I'm a Mike Trout fan. I'll root for Mike Trout, even when he's playing the Phillies. I want the Phillies to win, but I'd like to see Mike Trout do well. Mike, Trout's, uh, Mike Trout, to me, probably is the best example of a guy that's playing today that people would root for that doesn't play here. But because we don't generally root for guys that don't play here, I just wanted to see who was like larger than life that you would root for. A couple of good suggestions this first hour. Derek Jeter, even though he's a Yankee, Alex Ovechkin, and Tim Duncan, and Randall. Those are all those are all good names. Those are and let's see, uh I think all of them spent their well, three of them spent their entire career with the same team. Duncan spent his entire career with the Spurs, Jeter with the Yankees. Ovechkin with uh, the Caps, right? Entire career there. And Kobe spent his entire career with the Lakers. 20 years, which is amazing. 20 years with the Lakers. I mean, anybody else that's a superstar that's even larger than life, some of these of the last 50 years even, how many of those people play for the same team? Not many. I think we've had three in Philadelphia. That spent their entire a long not like a five year career, four year career, whatever, but a long career, ten years plus. The three guys I can think of that spent a, their entire career in Philadelphia, you have to go back a bit. Mike Schmidt, who retired in eighty nine, Bobby Clark, who retired in eighty four, and Chuck Bednarik, who retired in like sixty one. Because I mean, no Eagle. How many Eagles guys? And football's different, and that they don't have as long a career. And with free agency, people move around more. But the only, I can't remember an Eagle that spent his entire career here, that like 10 years or more, which is a lot longer than the average career. Same with the Flyers, same with the Phillies, same with the, the 76ers. You just didn't, you know, think of all the, all the great Sixers. Like if you were to make a top five Sixer list of all time, all of them, Spent time other places. Will Chamberlain played for the – well, he moved with, with the Warriors to San Francisco, but also played for the Lakers. Charles Barkley, not that he's number two, but he's he's up there. Phoenix Suns, Houston Rockets. Doc, Doc came from the New Jersey Nets. And then before that, the Virginia Squires and the ABA. That's three. Who would be my – well, Mo Cheeks played in several teams after he left here. Billy Cunningham, I think, only played for one other team. It was uh, the Carolina Cougars. I believe that's who it was. All right, back to the phones. Let's get uh, Nate Maniunk. Nate, you're on 94 WIP. Yeah, thanks for having me on, man. Uh, not a quick call, but I, I did want to just say that uh, Ken Griffey Jr. was uh, you know, pretty big person that I'd root for as a kid. Um, growing up in the 90s, he was like larger than life. And, you know, the Phillies really were kind of irrelevant they stunk. Um, throughout most of the they, 90s. They stunk for the Yeah, so yeah. I, 
Yeah, so Ken Griffey was kind of just like that person for a lot of people my age that uh, really did like baseball and really liked well, what he did. And he was also, just, just a, a sidebar, one of the only athletes that really never had to do the PED stuff. He was a, he was a really good guy and really did not have seen the problems that Mark McGuire and, and Sammy Sosa had. So I think he's, he's a phenomenal athlete. I want to say he never got booed when he came here, when he played against the Phillies. Because he's, he's one of those guys that people just don't boo. Because it's not like you hate Ken Griffey Jr. No. It was a very like and a he choice. was one of the, I think I don't think that anybody else has ever played on the same team as their father in in, in Major never, League Baseball either. Never, never, and never, sure. never played never played in the same outfield as their father. Brothers have played in the outfield, not father son, and they hit home runs back to back. Yeah, yeah. So that's my choice. Thanks for having me on. Thanks, Nate. Appreciate it. 888-729-9494, pound 9494. Your AT and T Verizon wireless cell phone. WIP Sports Time is three fifty six. All right, numbers here, 888-729-9494, pound 9494, your AT&T Verizon wireless cell phone. I'm Rob Cherry. We're here till 6, and I believe Ruben Frank is in at 6 tonight. Tomorrow night at 6.30, Super Bowl 54, where the uh, Chiefs would be the longest, uh, I guess the longest period between wins and Super Bowls. It would be 50. Previously, what was it? see the uh Packers went a long time between winning but it wasn't that long steal it now it I th- I think it I think maybe the Niners would be second no the Packers would be second longest time between Super Bowl wins because the Chiefs would be 50 years since they won their last Super Bowl Packers went from what uh 1967. To 1996. So that's what, almost 30 years, 29 years, if I'm, if I'm adding that right. The longest droughts there. But if the 49ers win tomorrow, that would be the first father-son combination in to win a Super Bowl, ever. I mean, it's rare that the father and son, I mean, you've, you've had father-son combinations as coaches in different sports, but... Not in the Super Bowl. Never been a father and son in the Super Bowl. And now you have a chance. Shana, Mike Shanahan won two. He was 2-0 and with Denver. Kyle Shanahan is in his first, obviously. And I know both Moras were coached. Jim Mora, but Jim Mora uh, Sr., I don't think, I was looking, he never even won a playoff game. Somebody listed, uh, I think it was in the Inquirer today, uh, who the longest period, like the most coaching wins, and there were just and Andy Reid's up there, but he's also never won a Super Bowl. Twenty-one years, never won a Super Bowl, and the other coaches that have never won a Super Bowl, like twenty years, Martin Schottenheimer. They listed some others, but Jim Moore coached for a while, but he never won a playoff game with New Orleans, and his son coached as well. So, but the Shanahan's would become the first family of. Winning Super Bowls, if that happens. So, all right, so uh, a number of things we talked about in the first hour, including all the uh, praise that Andy Reid's been getting, the fact that Andy Reid brings Donovan in to talk to his team this week, which I thought was a little odd. But you heard a lot of former Eagles on the station this week. Of course, a couple of them work here. 
but a, a lot of them called in for uh, our Andy Reid Appreciation Day for other things that happened. Hugh Douglas is one of them. I'm not sure which show he called in on. And I used to work with Hugh on the weekend. I love Hugh. Works in Atlanta now. But he was saying how great Andy – do we have that cut? I want to I play because he said all these great things about Andy Reid, and then he said something that a lot of us have been thinking. That was on uh, the afternoon show on Thursday with uh, Marks and Reese. Um, yeah, the players love Andy Reid. But what you said was pretty honest. They should have won at least, at least two. And that's what the fans thought the whole time. They should have won at least two. So say what you want about the man. Great coach. His players love him. Which, one, should... which one hurt you the most? Which uh, NFC oh, ta- championship Tampa. was? Tampa. Tampa, yeah. Tampa was a killer. Me too. That was the first, but the next blow was Carolina the next year. That was like, and McNabb got hurt in that game. And, you know, you can't blame McNabb for getting hurt. These guys, somebody tried to make a wish with his legs. wasn't his fault. And the fact that they had lousy receivers going into that game. You can't win a Super Bowl if you go in with receivers. What was it, what was it Pinkston and Thrash were his receivers? Yep. They got picked off three times in that game. And I don't think any of them were McNabb's fault or, or Detmer's fault. Maybe the last one was, was Detmer's. I think it was Detmer that came in, right? Seemed to me it was Detmer. Uh, not, not Ty. Coy Detmer, I believe, was the one that came in in the second one. I believe. I'm not positive. But, no, those passes were picked off. Because the receiver, the receivers weren't strong enough to fight for those balls, or turn the wrong way, or it bounced off them. They weren't good enough. And you're trying to win a Super Bowl with with receivers that aren't good enough, and then telling us later, oh no, they are good enough. And then even later than that, like a month later, after telling us, no, our receivers are fine, we can win a championship with them. They went out and got T.O. So obviously they didn't believe themselves, or Andy Reid didn't believe what he was saying. That's that was the problem I had with Andy Reid. Is it listening to him? It's like you're not going to tell us the truth. And he had a he said something this week. I think it was Wednesday. Um, basically, that you know, I'm not a comedian. <laughs> I come up here to uh, I come up here to just try to you know give you stock answers. I'm not here to entertain you. In other words, he gives us nothing. Not open. It's it's it says not open about. That's that's the cut. Let's play that one. It says not open about. Play that. This is what he said. I'm listening to this going, yeah, this is why we didn't like him that much. He just was not that endearing to people here because of what he droned on about in his press conferences. He wasn't a lovable guy. He was a very good coach, clearly, but he didn't win a championship. And he'd say stuff like this. It's like, okay, so you want to bore us to death? You couldn't, you know, every, your, your players all say how great you are, how nice you are, and how much fun you are. We never saw it. The public never saw that. You want to play that?
His personality doesn't show at all in press conferences. It just doesn't. It's like I, I don't understand this love for the guy because he, he shows it. And this is, his personality in press conferences and in public settings like this, this is how the public sees him. We don't because most of us don't interact with him. This is what we see. It's like, well, this he's you know he's better than Belichick as far as Belichick you know being a curmudgeon and all that. But Belichick's also won six titles. This guy's won none, none here at least. So, and and again, I I think a lot of us feel cheated that there was you know at least one or two they should have won and didn't win. So yeah, I'm not I'm not rooting for him tomorrow. I don't I don't if they win on it's not going to bother me, but I'd rather see San Francisco win. Although I love Patrick Mahomes. Mahomes is a guy that it's it's tough not to like him because he's he's so good, and he's not like a machine like Brady that's won six times. When, when a guy keeps winning, you get a little tired of him. But he hasn't won yet, so he's, there's still the likability factor. And he's fun to watch. He's a lot of fun to watch. All right, so another, another one of the uh, questions I asked earlier today uh, when I, we got on the air was other than Mahomes and Lamar Jackson, what quarterback would you rather have for next season than Carson Wentz? And I'm kind of asking, who's better than Carson Wentz of all the quarterbacks in the league right now? And I'm not talking about their past, like, the guys that are close to retirement. Because the guys that are close to retirement, Brady and Breeze, are going to the Hall of Fame. But you don't want them for next season because those guys could be on their last legs, or at least they're close to their last legs. But who would you rather have? than Carson Wentz, other than Mahomes or Lamar Jackson. 888-729-9494 and pound 9494, your AT&T Verizon Wireless cell phone. Gus and Allentown, you're on 94 WIP. I probably uh, want Garoppolo. Garoppolo. Okay. Well, I, yeah. mean, I haven't seen enough of him to tell you that this guy. I know. He, he gets no respect. I mean, the South San Francisco unit gets no respect. You're I mean, absolutely right. Good. You're absolutely right. I didn't, res- I didn't respect him, but I, now I do, and I think they're going to win tomorrow. Mm. I think they're a juggernaut. I, 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 they remind me of the Seattle Seahawks when Wilson was, you know, the early stages with the Legion of Boom. Yeah, but Garoppolo doesn't move around like Russell Wilson does. No, no, but, but he, he can move pretty good. I'm right. saying they're such a balanced team. They can win in so many different ways, whereas Kansas City could only win if Mahomes has a super game. Yeah, but Mahomes is that good, though. He's expected to have a Super Now, here's game. the thing I wanted to say about Mahomes. By the way, my silly athlete, I'm going to pick one out of the blue that nobody would think of, Leroy Kelly. That you root for that plays other places. Well, he did. Mike mm-hmm. rooted for him when he played with Cleveland. Right. He's from, what, it, was it uh, Northeast High he went to? Uh, I think so. Or Gratz. I think he went to Gratz. Gratz, okay. Oh, another one is Earl Monroe. There's another one. Now, Leroy Kelly, he was the, the Browns running back after Jim Brown. He came after Jim Brown. Right, okay. So that's And he had a better yards per carry than Jim Brown his first year. Can you believe that? No. It's, it's hard to believe because I didn't think anybody could tackle Jim Brown. No, it's over five yards. Yeah. But here's the, one, here's the point I want to make about – this is something you have to think about. I, it's hard to, to come to a conclusion – but is it possible that watching Mahomes play, now you know that they have more talent than when Reed coached the Eagles, but is it possible that <clears throat> Reed would have been a better coach here if it hadn't been for the fact that McNabb simply could not absorb that, the, the sophisticated playbook that clearly Mahomes can? Yeah, but McNabb kind of carried the Eagles' offense for several years. He did. I mean, yeah, but it took forever for them to get plays in and out, and it was, it was a much more cumbersome uh, uh, you know, flow to the 
play calling that you see now with – I mean, to me, Reed's a much better coach now than he was with the Eagles. And I said, I know that it's, it's hard to, say, hard to you know, judge this because he has more talent, but it, it's just a much more uh, dynamic, okay. could, inventive. Could it, could it be that nothing, uh, nothing seems to bother Mahomes, yet things seem to bother McNabb at times? It took him forever just to get plays in. It was he just didn't seem to have. A, he, he wouldn't wear one of those wristbands, you know, that had the plays on it because he was he felt he was too insecure. He didn't want people to think that he was slow, and he was. I mean, it, the whole thing was this team. This kid said, "I'll give him credit. They run kind of a very sophisticated blend of pro and college football." Plays. There's a lot, you know. They 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 deal in space a lot. There's a lot of RPO. It's a very it's a fun offense to watch. By the way, did now you, they have did you Eric Hill? He's great. They have Kelsey. Did you hear what Reed said? This Reed said also this week that he stole he has stolen plays from North Dakota State from Carson Wentz's North Dakota State offense, which I thought was well. I, I I I tip my hat to him because I, I think co- the college game is a much more entertaining, exciting, dynamic. Um, I think I think the college game is influencing the pro game rather than the other way around. Whereas when we grew up, it was the other way around. You're right. But now right. the college game is the place where you really see the the inventor of coaching. And I give Reed credit is that he picked up on that. And he didn't he didn't let the game uh, leave him behind. But it's hard to make this judgment because you you got to you know the talent is not equal. Well, clear uh, with the Eagles. I, I just don't watch as much college football, not nearly as much college football as I watch in the pros. The pros to me is like yeah, you should watch it. I should, especially I the SEC is really. I mean, if you want to watch, you know, really old fashioned football, watch SEC. If you want to watch, you know, the the uh, flag football style, watch the Pac-10 and that uh, Big East or what is it called? The Big Eight, I guess. No, it's that Pac- conference that Pac-12. Texas. It's the conference that Mahomes was in. I can't remember what that uh, conference. The Big is. Twelve, right? Big Twelve, yeah. But I mean, called? Mahomes is. Mahomes is so much better than McNabb. That's that's the problem making this evaluation. He's really good. Yeah, I, I, but I'll tell you, this guy Bolsa for San Francisco, he might be our Lawrence Taylor. Rob, he he is he just he he terrorizes teams on the line good. of scrimmage. He is that good. He's a rookie, which is amazing that he's playing as well as he is already. Yeah. All right. I guess Gus just hung up on me. Usually, I hang up on him. <laughs> <laughs> that was actually the first pleasant conversation I've had with Gus in about three years. Probably because I didn't have a co-host today. Usually when I have a co-host, he just, you know, rips me. He doesn't even talk to me anymore. But thank you, Gus. All right. And Sixers, by the way, play in Boston tonight. And I just saw that they have, they have, they've swept them so far If they win this year. If they win tonight, it will be the first time they've swept them since the 2000-2001 season which was coincidentally the last time they went to the NBA Finals. But I don't remember Boston being any good that year. I don't even think they made the playoffs that year. If they did, they were the eighth seed. Yeah, they, they were okay. They Antoine Walker, Paul Pierce. Yeah, but they couldn't have been, even been the eighth seed because, let's see, the, the Sixers beat Milwaukee. First round they beat uh, Indiana, I believe. Or was it ter- First round was Indiana. Second round was Toronto. Third round was Milwaukee. So the best the Celtics could have been would be what? Because Milwaukee was the second seed. I believe Toronto was the third. Uh, Toronto was maybe the – so it would have been one versus eight, then one versus four. So Toronto would have been four. So the Celtics could have been the third seed. Celtics didn't make the playoffs Didn't make year. the playoffs that year. So that wasn't that big a deal to sweep them that year. They were beating everybody that year. They were 41-14 and 14 before – or 36-14 and 14 before – 
Uh, Theo got hurt, 41-14 and 14 when they got Matumbo. But this would be a pretty good accomplishment to win. They're going to win one of the games on the road trip. Now, we all assumed they were going to beat Atlanta lose the last three. They're not going to lose all four games on this road trip. Somebody they're going to beat. They're not going to beat Milwaukee, not after they crush Milwaukee uh, when they were here. Milwaukee, by the way, was tied with them for the best record, best home record in the NBA. They got beat last night by Denver. Got beat bad by Denver. That's why you shouldn't bet. Uh, I, I did a parlay with a bunch of uh, NBA games last night. The two games that screwed me up, the Laker game and the Den- and the Bucks game, I'm assuming the Bucks are playing at home. I don't, I don't think they were getting a ton of points. I figured they're going to blow them out, even though Denver's good. The Lakers playing at home against a bad Blazers team. They're favored by 13. I figured there's all this stuff that had the Kobe ceremony before the game. It was very emotional. LeBron spoke to the crowd. It was very tasteful. LeBron spoke. Boys to Men sang the national anthem. Usher sang. Uh, Amazing like, Grace. Amazing, Just a amazing. Yeah, it was great. It was great. And, and LeBron talked to the crowd thinking they're going to blow them out, and they didn't. They lost. That's a game you probably want to stay away from. But it was a, it was a great ceremony last night. It was a great wrap-up to uh, what has been a uh, tragic week, obviously, for, for Laker fans. And a lot of people were upset that they canceled the game. People were upset last Sunday that they didn't cancel games on Sunday. And, you know, they're, they're in an arena with, you know, they're full of people. And you find out you can't just say you, – you, logistically it would have been very tough to do that. The Laker game itself on Tuesday, you can understand why they would cancel that even though it was two days later. They just weren't ready. But the other games, it's like you, you have to keep going. Unless you have to – and I guess he was like an ambassador for basketball. It was that big a thing. But I think they made the right decision to continue to play the games Sunday and Monday. But to cancel Tuesday, actually, it made a lot of sense. Really, that that's really – they didn't really have much choice in that. The, they had to respect what the Lakers' wishes were, and the Lakers were just, were just not ready on Tuesday. Even though it would have been the Lakers and Clippers uh, last night, though, it's it's obviously it's still very tough for everybody. And if, if you saw any of the tribute and the players crying and all that, and LeBron choked up after he gave a speech, uh, it was uh, was well done. It was well done. It was just you know as as well as could be done. Uh, the tribute that TNT did on Tuesday night was great as well. With uh, they were, there was, they were supposed to do the late – the late game was supposed to be the Laker-Clipper game. So instead, from 7 to 8 on Tuesday night, they had uh, – basically they all sat around on chairs with Charles, Kenny, Shaq, uh, Ernie, um, D. Wade I think was part of it as well. Jerry West was there. Uh, it was just – it was fascinating just to listen to those guys and just, you know, it was it was a great, great show. But that – the inside the NBA crew provides everything you'd want in That's a the studio, best show. In a studio down. show. It is. It's like these guys have the right balance of humor, of being serious when it has to be. And, you know, you really think at times that Shaq and Charles hate each other. I mean, Charles doesn't hate anybody. He just likes to, you know, get on Shaq's nerves. At times you think Shaq, Shaq really hates him. But what, what Shaq said, when Shaq said about Kobe that they were brothers, whether they were arguing or not, that's, that's how he feels about Charles. But that, that show, just it, it's just a great show to watch. I don't know how they came upon that combination. Charles makes it. When they added Shaq, a lot of people were upset about it. Like, that's that's taken from the chemistry. But turned out it's actually added to the chemistry. Some of the other people they've had at different times, maybe not as much. but I can't stand Chris Webber, man. I was just going to say Webber. And I don't dislike C-Webb. I didn't like him when he was playing for whatever he played for, Golden State. Who else did he play Sacramento. for? Sacramento. Sacramento. 
Another team Detroit. that should, another team that should have won a championship. When he came here, though, he was he had nothing left. Clearly, had nothing left. But he doesn't doesn't quite fit on that. I've seen him on other shows on TNT. What it, what was it called? Studio Twenty One or whatever. Yeah, it's the Kevin Garnett show. That yeah. wasn't bad. He no, wasn't that bad. Was cool. But but that this particular the inside the NBA crew they can't mess with them. Gotta have the right people there. 888-729-9494, pound 9494, your AT&T, Verizon wireless cell phone. WIP Sports Time is 421. Sports Radio 94, WIP 2020 Sports. Brought to you by Parks Casino and Sportsbook. I'm Sue Schilling. Super Bowl 54, just a day away between Andy Reid's Chiefs and the 49ers in Miami. Former Eagle Brent Selleck joined at WIP earlier this week and said he learned plenty from his former head coach, Andy Reid, when he was with the Eagles? I thought he was great. I mean, one thing he taught me right when I got here, uh, and I'll never forget, is he was like, listen, at tight end and really anybody on offense. He said, when you get out of that huddle and you get up to the line, look at the safeties. The safeties tell you everything. Where they're aligned, their depths, their widths, that's everything. Get a risk-free bet of up to $500 on the big game. Download Parks Casino Sportsbook app or go to parkscasino.com slash PA for details. Parks, the only sportsbook backed by the number one casino in Pennsylvania. Must be 21. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. CBS 3 Eyewitness Weather. Scattered rain or snow showers possible tonight. Low 35. Mostly cloudy tomorrow. Breezy. High 46. It's 41 in Philadelphia. To stream 94 WIP. Get our podcast and all the latest stories in Philadelphia sports. Go to the all-new 94WIP.com. 2020 Sports on Sports Radio 94 WIP. All right, we got some open lines. 888-729-9494, pound 9494, your AT&T, Verizon Wireless cell phone. So I I remember I used to hear, I guess, Jeff Laurie would say, we want to win multiple Super Bowls. I'm thinking, just win one. Start with one and then, you know, go from there. And I'll be satisfied with just one. Well, you know, it's two years later, and no, I'm not satisfied with just one. I mean, I can live with the fact that they finally won. And finally, you know, some of us thought we'd never – Live to see the Eagles win a Super Bowl, and they finally did. But, yeah, you want more. You always want more. But now here are the, uh, for me, best Super Bowl ever was obviously the Eagles beating the uh, Patriots. But the best non-Eagles Super Bowls that I have, maybe we can hear from you what your favorite Super Bowl was other than the Eagles Super Bowl. 49ers beating the Bengals. This isn't my favorite, but it's like top five. 49ers beating the Bengals in 1981. I actually lived in San Francisco that year. Watched the 49ers because it was only to watch at that point. They didn't show a lot of Eagles games out there, even though the Eagles started out 6-0 and that year and were coming off a Super Bowl, a Super Bowl loss. That 49er team was just to watch them become great that year. It was phenomenal to watch. And the, the Super Bowl itself was a great game, uh, beating the Bengals. The uh, the first one as a kid I really enjoyed. It was really the first good Super Bowl because the first two were blowouts. Packers beat the Chiefs. Packers beat the Raiders. Super Bowl three, Jets beating the Colts. Biggest upset of all time in the Super Bowl. That was my favorite. And it's not like I was a Jets fan, but I was more of a Jets fan than a Colts fan. I rooted for the underdog because the under you know, what fun is it to root for the favorite? Both cities are not quite equally distant, but, you know, 100 miles to 90 miles. But I actually like the Jets. But I like Joe Namath and the Jets. That was a great one. 
probably my favorite of all time. Chiefs and Vikings the following year was also one of my favorites. The 1969 season. And the Rams-Titans. The Rams-Titans is also in my top five because it was Dick Vermeil. Now you say, well, why, why would you root for Dick Vermeil but not Andy Reid? Dick Vermeil didn't win a Super Bowl either because Dick Vermeil, that was a team. You have to understand and know a little history there with the Eagles. The Eagles in the 60s and 70s, after they won the championship in 1960, They had maybe one or two winning seasons that decade. In the 70s, they went like they went literally from 1961 through 1977 without making the playoffs. Can you imagine that? If, if the Eagles had gone 16, 17 years without making the playoffs, they became irrelevant in this city. I mean, they were here. They were football fans. They were Eagle fans. But you knew every year they weren't making the playoffs. You knew they were going to be bad. Either bad drafting, bad trades, things just didn't for, – for a 16-year period, they didn't make the playoffs. That's a drought. And what Dick Vermeil inherited was a team that didn't make the playoffs. He came in 76, 15 years out of the playoffs, and he didn't have a first-round pick or a second-round pick his first three years. I don't think he had a third-round pick his first year either. And within four years, within three years, they're in the playoffs. In five years, they're in the Super Bowl. And he gave everything. He It's like he sweated blood. He gave everything he had to the franchise and to Philadelphia. Became one of us. And, yeah, he burnout. He, he was the first one to coin the term coach burnout. Well, I think John Madden. Shortly before that, actually, it burned out himself or just said, 10 years and I'm done. He walked away and then came back, what, 16 years later? 82 to 96, whatever it was, he came back. He was going to come back here. It did not work out with Jeffrey Lurie. Went to uh, went to St. Louis and won a Super Bowl there. And at that point, 99, the Eagles weren't particularly good. It was just a couple years they weren't good. So if you're going to pick somebody to root for, what, are you going to root for the Tennessee Titans? No, you root for the St. Louis Rams and Dick Vermeil because everybody liked Dick Vermeil. He had the likability that Andy Reid never really had here, and partly because Dick Vermeil showed his personality. Andy Reid never showed his personality to us. It was like little drips and drabs, but it was like, no, I and we played the cut a little while ago. He wanted, He's not up there to be a comedian. He just wanted to give us a little information, and then he was done. Then he was done with us. So that's not really that likable unless you win a championship or two. Yeah, they were contenders, but the end wasn't that great. Anyway, I rooted for Dick Vermeil. That's he was he was like, if we can't win one, let's have him win one even though it's somewhere else. It's not like he didn't want to. And remember, back then, it was only a few years removed from he was going to come back here to coach the Eagles again, and the Eagles kind of screwed that up. He wanted more power over draft picks or whatever, over personnel and things, and they didn't want to give it to him. And they made some famous comments that I'm not going to repeat. It became a Joe Conklin bit, actually. And then he went somewhere else and won a championship. And I think most people here were happy for him. 
So that that's one of my and plus that was a great game. That was a phenomenal game. That that Rams offense that year, and every year there, there seems like there's a team that's really fun to watch. Uh, this year it was probably Baltimore. Although I have to admit I didn't see as much of them as I'd like to, and I would have liked to have seen them in a Super Bowl because that's how much fun they were to watch this year. But every year there's a fun team to watch it seems, and this year that year it was the St. Louis Rams. Now two years later the Philly, the Eagles played the Rams in the playoffs in the NFC Championship game. Now Vermeil was gone by then. Mike Martz was the coach, and lost that game in heartbreaking fashion. And then the Rams didn't even win the Super Bowl that year. They were heavily favored to beat the Patriots and lost to them in Brady's first Super Bowl. But the Rams were the fun team to watch that year, so it was easy to root for them. Now, this year the fun team to watch was Baltimore. They didn't, didn't even get out of the second round. They, lost, they got upset by Tennessee. I haven't seen enough of Kansas City to like them, dislike them. I know, the, I, know I like the quarterback. But the 49ers came out of nowhere. No one expected them to be this good this quickly. I mean, three years ago, Chip Kelly was the coach. And they were awful. What, did he win two games that year? Two and 14. Two and 14. That was 2016, right? Last to Kaepernick, too. That's right. Kaepernick was the quarterback last time the 49ers were in the Super Bowl. That's right. And Alex Smith replaced him. No, he replaced. He Alex replaced Smith. Alex Smith. Alex Smith went to Kansas City, and then uh, Alex Smith got hurt. I'm just reading a story about Alex Smith today too. Well, and so I think he's lucky to be alive, right? Yeah, and that's like, huh? And and I know he actually still wants to play, but you read this story. The guy almost had his leg amputated. He almost lost his life. He had sepsis when he was recovering. His leg was just like mangled by J.J. Watt and somebody else from the Texans. But he almost lost his life. He almost lost his leg. Yet, there's actually talk that he might play next season for the Redskins. With uh, Ron Rivera was actually saying that he's that's a possibility. And they have, what, Casey Keenum and uh, Haskins. Haskins. Haskins, right, Haskins. But Alex Smith was a quarterback for, for Kansas. It was the, the Niner quarterback. The year they went to the Super Bowl, he got hurt, and Kaepernick replaced him. And then he lost his job to Kaepernick after he got healthy. Went to the Chiefs, was pretty good there. In fact, wasn't he the quarterback when the uh, Chiefs came here in Doug's rookie season? Or was that? Yes. Uh, yes. Or was that? Uh, the, uh, it was when they uh, retired McNabb. Number five will always love you, right? <laughs> right. Thursday night game. <laughs> right. Oh, God. McNabb will always love you. Or number five will always love you. Yeah. Um, but was Alex Smith the quarterback? I guess he must have yeah, been. Yep. He must have been. No. I was at that game. I remember. What? Uh, who was the quarterback when uh, the Chiefs came here with Chip Kelly? With Chip Kelly's first year, was it Alex Smith? Then that was that would have been 2013. It had to have been. I'll have, double so, check that. So it'd be Alex Smith both years that he was there. He was actually pretty good in his day. And that, what is he? He's 35 years old. It's like, well, you almost lost your leg. Why would you come back and play football where there's a chance you could get hurt again? Why? And he, he apparently he's guaranteed like 20 million or his hit on the cap. Next year is $21 million. But why would you bother if there's a chance you get her? And you're 35 years old. What's what's the point at this at this point in time? So, all right. 888-729-9494 and pound 9494, your AT&T Verizon wireless cell phone. 
I guess so. Why didn't Andy Reid bring Alex Smith in to talk to his team? Because he's still playing for theoretically he's still on the, the uh, Skins roster. He brought in McNe- He should have brought Doug Peterson in. Doug Peterson was his first quarterback here. Doug should have talked to his team about what it takes to win a Super Bowl. He brought McNabb in on Thursday. Or Foles. Nick Foles. Well, Nick Foles plays for another team. Although Doug coaches another team, but he's still got that connection. I guess you could. Are you allowed to, I guess you're allowed to bring in players from other teams. Or retired players for sure, but I guess you're I don't know if you're allowed to bring players that are in for other teams. I, I think that would probably be frowned on if you're bringing an active player from another team to talk to your team. Probably not a good idea. That's why he couldn't do that. That's why he had to settle for McNabb. What about Mike McMahon? What, what about Dawkins? Dawkins would have been a good guy to bring in. And Dawkins was down here this week doing all kinds of stuff down there. All right, so what uh, what would be your favorite, aside from the Eagles Super Bowl, your favorite non-Eagles Super Bowl game of all time and the 53 that happened? My number one still the Jets, Jets-Colts. And I guess number two is 49ers-Bengals, the first 49ers-Bengals. The second 49ers-Bengals was pretty good as well. But the first one, I think, would, would uh, qualify as the best. And, and honestly, that San Francisco team, I don't remember who the tight end was. He might have been pretty decent. Their receiving core was basically Dwight Clark, who was a possession guy, very tall. He made the catch. Passed away recently. Their running back situation, they didn't really have a running back. They had a bunch of guys, Earl Cooper and a bunch of other guys, but nobody that was nobody that was any anything spectacular. The offense was Montana, basically, making plays or throwing to Dwight Clark. The defense, though, was very good. And they came out of nowhere to win a Super Bowl. They were 6-10 and 10 the year before. This 49er team, I like them. I like them tomorrow. They are one-and-a-half-point underdogs. 888-729-9494, pound 9494, your AT&T Verizon wireless cell phone. WIP Sports Time is 440. 94 WIP 2020 Sports. Brought to you by Parks Casino and Sportsbook. I'm Sue Schilling. Super Bowl 54, just a day away between Andy Reid's Chiefs and the 49ers in Miami. Former Eagle Hugh Douglas joined WIP earlier this week and talked about Reid's former players pulling for him to hoist that Lombardi trophy and shared some memorable experience from Reid's rookie season at the helm as well. I cannot remember a time where I saw Coach Reed going through what he went through, show any any sign of weakness, and he was always prepared, like for real. And yeah. and I know, you know, looking at my Twitter feed and people saying this and that about Coach, listen, the man needs, regardless, win or lose, he needs to be respected for what he did for the players, you know, and, and, and the way that he rolled for the city, like he did. It's unfortunate that we couldn't get the Super Bowl, the first one. We should have had at least two. I'm not going to lie about that. We should have had two. We didn't get it. It's unfortunate. But Coach Reed's a hell of a coach, man. You can hear Super Bowl 54 right here on 94 WIP tomorrow. Our coverage gets underway 2 o'clock tomorrow afternoon. Get a risk-free bet of up to $500 on the big game. Download Parks Casino Sportsbook app or go to parkscasino.com slash PA for details. Parks, the only sports book backed by the number one casino in Pennsylvania, must be 21 gambling problem. Call 1-800-GAMBLER. CBS 3 Eyewitness Weather, scattered rain showers tonight, maybe some snow showers possible, little to no accumulation expected, low 35, mostly cloudy and breezy tomorrow, slight chance for a p.m. shower 
high 46. It's 42 in Philadelphia to stream 94 WIP. Get our podcast and all the latest stories in Philadelphia sports. Go to the all-new 94WIP.com. Sports on Sports Radio 94 WIP. I'm Rob Cherry. We're here till 6 tonight. Ruben Frank is in at 6. Some open lines at 1 888 729 9494 and pound 9494, your ATT Verizon Wireless cell phone. Tonight is uh, the night before. You just heard about a concert that uh, we have, or that not on WIPRadio.com. There is obviously a, a bunch of things going on in Miami tonight, including the NFL Awards. They'll announce the MVP, which I assume will be Lamar Jackson. Uh, defensive Player of the Year. I would, Fletcher Cox should have got some consideration for that, although he didn't. He wasn't great all year. That's part of the. He wasn't dominant all year. It was it, toward the end. It became much more dominant. Um, and a bunch of the other awards will be given out tonight as well. Coach of the Year. Well, don't you have to give it to Shanahan, Kyle Shanahan? I mean, Harbaugh did a pretty good job, too, with Baltimore. Baltimore, not that they came out of nowhere, but they had a phenomenal regular season. I think this is all based on the regular season, or else they would just vote after the Super Bowl. So I would think Harbaugh and Shanahan are the two major candidates for Coach of the Year. But also tonight, the Hall of Fame, the the latest Hall of Famers uh, will be unveiled. Now, earlier, I guess it was last month, Harold Carmichael was uh, voted in. Uh, with the uh, the senior class, I guess they call it. So Harold is uh, Harold is uh, going to go in the Hall of Fame on uh, I don't know what the date is. It's 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 the first Saturday or Sunday in August in, in Canton, Ohio. But also on the ballot that there's uh, a chance to go into that, that I'm sure they've already they already know. But at some point tonight, they'll make the announcement for the uh, the rest of the class of 2020. On the ballot, Steve Atwater, Tony Baselli, Isaac Bruce, Leroy Butler, Alan Fanica, Tory Holt. Tory Holt was uh he's the one that made the comment about uh, Wentz, right? Tory Holt's I'm not the, sure if he was. Let me I think he's the one that made the comment about Wentz, Tory Holt, uh that um uh, the woman from ESPN, I don't remember. Josina Anderson maybe picked up and just and I, I think he but I don't think he realized how badly he got hurt. It was kind of acting like he was soft. He had a concussion. That happens. You're a receiver. You should know that. You're on the ballot for the Hall of Fame. Uh, Steve Hutchinson, Edrin James. Edrin James is famous for what? The draft that we all wanted the Eagles, or some of us wanted the Eagles to take Ricky Williams. Edrin James was actually the better running back. Eagles had the number two pick. They took McNabb. He got booed. He never got over it. Uh, John Lynch, now the the general manager of the 49ers. What was a great safety in his day. And if Brian Dawkins got in, you'd think that Lynch would have a chance to get in, although I think Dawkins was better. Sam Mills was a linebacker, played for New Orleans, Carolina, but also played for the Philadelphia Stars of the USFL. So Moore, Jim Moore didn't win a champion, didn't win playoff games in the NFL, but he won one, maybe two, in the USFL championships as a coach. But Sam Mills was a linebacker on that team and ended up with a long NFL career. Was a coach uh, as well before that or after that. Troy Palomalo, which is probably the lock to get in. Richard Seymour, Zach Thomas, 
Reggie Wayne, and Bryant Young, the 49er. So those are the candidates. And I think I think eight people are getting in from this class. So the, the, it's going to be a very big – it's a, the 100th year of the NFL, so they've been making a very big class. They expanded everything. And a lot of people are going to get in this year. Uh, a lot of people – 15 already have. Uh, I didn't like the fact – Dick Vermeil was on the ballot – that uh, they announced last month uh, of the uh, the coaches that were uh, up for the Hall of Fame. I didn't like the fact that the first playoff game, and it was wild card weekend, they made the announcement a couple days after that, but I didn't like the fact that they announced on TV that uh, first it was on Saturday, Bill Cowher. Nothing against Bill Cowher. Bill Cowher is a great coach, probably should be in the Hall of Fame. He is in the Hall of Fame now. But they announced it on TV. Instead of announcing what everybody else, which I think was on a Tuesday, they announced it on Saturday uh, in the CBS studio show so they could publicize it then for their wild card games. The next day, Fox does it with Jimmy Johnson. They announced it to Jimmy Johnson. It's like, well, then, well, how does that make Dick Vermeil feel? He knows he's not supposed to know till Tuesday, and everybody knows he's not getting in because they're only taking two coaches, and he's one of the coaches on that list. He should be in. He's not yet. Maybe at some other point. So those are the two coaches going in, and Steve Sable going in as a contributor as well. Uh, for for longtime NFL films guy, uh, his father founded it with him, uh, and Steve did, was a great, great storyteller, which is what the NFL kind of helped make the NFL popular with NFL films and all the stuff they do over there in Mount Laurel. All right, so that's what's going in this year, or that's the potential that's going in this year. That'll be announced tonight. The class of 2021. Should be rather interesting. And, I, and I'll mention this because this is a campaign all year long. Different sport, baseball. Baseball Hall of Fame uh, for next year. In December, there's going to be a vote for veterans. So the modern era, the uh, golden era committee is going to vote. And among the people that are on that ballot, Dick Allen, former Philly, I hope he gets in this time finally for the class of 2021. Now, for football's class of 2021, Peyton Manning. Now, there may be an argument about Eli Manning. There's none about Peyton Manning, none whatsoever. He'll be in. Charles Woodson would have a good shot to get in. He's, these are first-timers I'm talking about. Megatron. Now, the only problem with Megatron is he only played nine seasons. But he was, if he wasn't the best receiver of his day, Larry Fitzgerald was. And Larry Fitzgerald's going to get in when he retires. But Larry Fitzgerald's probably played twice as many years as he has. He's still playing. He's coming back next season, too. But those are the two best of their era, Calvin Johnson and Larry Fitzgerald. But Megatron was that good. Everybody thought he was going to come back because he retired at like 29 years old. No, he walked away, and that was it. He was done. Jared Allen, defensive end from the, uh, the Chiefs, the Vikings, the Bears, the Panthers, would have a shot to get in. So those are the four most prominent ones for next year. Um, Tony Gonzalez, too. Tony Gonzalez next year? I don't even see him on this list. 2021, yeah. Okay, well, Tony Gonzalez, uh, yes. <laughs> That's a yes, Tony Gonzalez. Has it been that long since he's been away? He's been, he's been, he went right to uh, the studios. Is it Fox that he works for? I don't even know. Because everybody's, everybody's got like eight-man crews at this point, so I'm just assuming ex-football players are working somewhere. The next eagle to go in 
and I'm not talking about Dick Vermeil, I'm talking about players, you would assume Jason Peters will be the next guy to go in whenever he decides to retire, which I'm not saying he should retire now but because he play for as long as he wants, but he wasn't as effective this past year. And it's probably trying to move, probably trying to move on and let uh, Dillard start at left tackle. But Peters will be the next guy to get in. And I don't know that anybody else is on track from the Eagles. I guess you could say Malcolm Kelsey, Jenkins. Well, J- Malcolm Jenkins, Jason Kelsey, and maybe even Zach Ertz putting up the kind of numbers that at some point gets them, get them in the Hall of Fame. And if Carson Wentz is as good as we think he is, if he has a long career, he would have a shot as well. All right, 888-729-9494, pound 9494, your AT&T Verizon Wireless cell phone. WIP Sports Time, 455. I'm Rob Cherry. We're here till 6 tonight. And Ruben Frank comes in at 6. Super Bowl Sunday tomorrow, of course. When was the first Super Bowl that was February? First Super Bowl that was in February was the uh, uh, because of 9-11. They had to move the season back to uh, a week because they canceled games for a week, postponed games for a week. And February 3rd, 2002, was a, that was a 2001 Super Bowl. It was the first one they moved to February. And then... Two years later, it was it was on. It was February because I, I I don't remember if if they used to start the season on Labor Day. And then is Labor Day weekend. They decided that's not good because most people are still on vacation or away. So they to, to get maximum viewership and to make sure the stadiums sell out and so the games weren't blacked out. They decided let's move it back a week. It was one year they had two buys, two bye weeks. That didn't work. And it wasn't in, it was intentional, unlike the uh, the year with nine eleven. That was unintentional, obviously. So, since two thousand the two thousand three season, the Super Bowls have been in February. There have been two Super Bowls on February first. One of them the Eagles should have been in Patriots Panthers. That should have been the Super Bowl thirty eight. Eagles should have been in that one. They were in the next one, but should have been in that one. Uh, Patriots won it thirty two to twenty nine. That was. Uh, Patriots won like all these Super Bowls by three points. Three, the first three they win by three points. Vinatieri, yeah, Adam Vinatieri. Uh, the other one on February fifteenth, uh, February first was also the Patriots. It was the two thousand fourteen Super Bowl. This was the infamous Patriots Seahawks Super Bowl, where the Seahawks were at the one yard line. And what was the name of the uh, defensive, the offensive coordinator? For Seattle, that I mean, look, Pete Carroll's the head coach. Instead of pa- instead of giving it to uh, Marshawn Lynch at the one yard line, he passes it to uh, was it uh, Butler that intercepted? Malcolm Butler. Malcolm yeah. Butler intercepted the and ball. And the offensive coordinator was Daryl Bevel. Daryl Bevel, who was fired not long after that. For doing that, for not get, but that was that was February first, two thousand fifteen, five years ago today. Boy, if you bet the uh, Seahawks in that game, <laughs> and, you, and you, or if you bet New England and thought you were losing that game, that was the that had to be for 
well, most people, because most people rooting against the Patriots, the worst ending ever of a Super Bowl. You're on the one-yard line. You're about to go back-to-back. I remember they had crushed the Denver Broncos the year before that. I mean, just destroyed them with Manning, with Peyton Manning. Couldn't do a thing that day. And they're about to go back-to-back, and somehow... New England has escaped with some of the the Super Bowls, the Super Bowls they've won. It's like, how did they win those games? How did they win this one? How did they win when the, the Falcons are beating them twenty eight to three? They win in overtime. But that that's that Seattle New England game. There's no way they should have won that. Seattle should have gone back to back there. Anyway, um, see, uh, the Kansas City Chiefs, for the third time in a Super Bowl, but for the first time in 50 years, longest period between Super Bowls for any team, 50 years it's been since they've been in a Super Bowl. Longest period. I mean, it's only 54 years. This is the 54th Super Bowl. But still, they were in the first one, which they got crushed by uh, Bart Starr and the Packers, 35-10. to 10. Starr was the MVP. He was the MVP the next year as well. Joe Namath was the – it seems like it's all quarterbacks that are MVPs or mostly quarterbacks. Namath was the, was the MVP in Super Bowl three. had to be. It was Joe Namath. I don't think he threw a touchdown pass in that game, though. He had three field goals and a uh, touchdown run by, I want to say, Matt Snell. Super Bowl four was the Chiefs. Crushing the 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 Minnesota Vikings, who were heavily favored in that game. Len Dawson was the uh, MVP of that one. Super Bowl five, Chuck Howley. Colts beat the Cowboys. That's when the Colts were in the NFC, the NFL, NFC, before they switched them over. No, I guess they they, they did switch them over. That's why they played the Cowboys. Colts used to be in the NFC. They played as the as the NF, as the NFL representative in Super Bowl three, as the AFL AFC representative in Super Bowl five. Cowboys won their first Super Bowl in Super Bowl six. Super Bowl six. Cowboys beat the Dolphins. They crushed them twenty four to three. Roger Stallback was the MVP in that game. Super Bowl seven. Dolphins come back and beat the Redskins 14-7, the first unbeaten season, or the first unbeaten season and the only unbeaten season to win a Super Bowl. The only other team that had a chance was the Patriots, and they lost in the uh, final game to the – lost in the Super Bowl to the Giants. So the Dolphins won their first in Super Bowl seven. Jake Scott, who was a linebacker for the Dolphins, was the MVP in that game. And what I, what I remember most about that game was the Dolphins had a shutout going. And their quarterback was a guy named Garo Yapremian. I'm sorry, their kicker was a guy named Garo Yapremian. I believe he was from around here or lived around here for a while. And he threw a pass, not because it was a fake field goal, because it was a bad snap. And it was intercepted and run back for the touchdown. It was the only score. The Redskins had all game. The next year, the uh, Dolphins crushed the Vikings. Larry Zonka 
was the MVP. The next year it was the Vikings got beat again, this time by the Steelers, first of four. The Steelers won in six years. And Franco Harris was the uh, MVP. The following year, Steelers beat the Cowboys. Lynn Swan was the MVP. Super Bowl eleven. Raiders beat the Vikings. I believe that was John Madden's year. Madden was the coach. Fred Blitnikoff was the MVP. Vikings were in four Super Bowls in the first, what, 11 years? Lost all four of them. And haven't been back since. So between 67 and 77, 66 and the 76 season, Vikings were in four, lost all four, and that's over 50 or what? 40-some years, have not been back since to a Super Bowl. There have, been a, there have been a few teams that have never been to a Super Bowl, period, like the Lions and the Texans and a couple of other teams. But you lose four, and they were favored in a couple of these. Certainly were favored against the Chiefs. Were probably favored against the Dolphins as well. And so Super Bowl twelve was the Cowboys crushing the Broncos. The, in fact, it was the Orange Crush defense that got crushed by the Dallas Cowboys. And Harvey White, Randy, Harvey Martin, and, and Randy White were the MVPs in that series. <clears throat> Next two years, Bradshaw was MVP of the Super Bowl. Bradshaw never gets mentioned when you talk about great quarterbacks of all time. He's never like a top five mention, yet he won four Super Bowls in six years. Uh, Steelers beat the Cowboys, and Steelers beat the Rams. Super Bowl 15 was the Eagles' first Super Bowl. Yeah, they were favored. Yeah, they played a wild card team. It was a pretty look. That was a pretty good Oakland team. Oakland won, or the Raiders, because the next time they won, they were the Los Angeles Raiders. The Raiders won three in uh, eight years. They won three Super Bowls, and you're pretty. You're that's close to a dynasty when you win three in eight years. I think a dynasty has to be three. I don't think two is enough for a dynasty. Back to back, that's not that's not a dynasty. If you go to like four straight Super Bowls and you lose them all, that's a dynasty for the AFC or for whatever conference you're in. But not you have to win three or or be in four to be considered a dynasty. So you've had a few dynasty. The Packers won the first two. You can't say that was – you have to say it was a dynasty for one reason, though, because the Packers won a bunch of championships before they got – before the Super Bowl era. They won a couple in the early 60s, and they won two in the mid-60s. So, yeah, that was a dynasty. They just only won the, the first two Super Bowls. The Steelers were a dynasty. The Raiders were a dynasty. The Niners were a dynasty. And the Patriots are now a dynasty. All right, so the Eagles lost. They lose in uh, Super Bowl 15 to the Raiders. The Niners win the next year. Now, that, that's, a, that's the only time that's ever happened, where two teams in the same area win in back-to-back years. Like, for instance, the Jets won, but the Giants didn't win until, like, what, 21 year, 20-some years later? They won in the 68, the 68 season. The Giants didn't win until the 86 season. It's like 20, 18 years later. But what are the, the only other areas, L.A. has two teams now, but and they had two teams. One. They had the Rams and Raiders. Both of them left 
And when the Raiders won, the Raiders won in 1980, well, the 83 season. The Rams were last in it in the 79 season. So they were gone. That's not back-to-back. So you had the 81-82 San Francisco or Oakland-San Francisco. It's the only time that's ever happened in Super Bowl Super Bowl history. All right, so the Niners win their first in ni- the 1981 season over the uh, Bengals. One of the greatest games ever. The next year, the Redskins win. Now, that was a strike year. 82 season was a strike year. They only played nine games that year. And that was the, the Dick Vermeil's last year with the Eagles. And the strike may have had something to do with his burnout. But the Redskins did win that year over the Dolphins. And John Riggins, is, oh, by the way, uh, yeah, after uh, Bradshaw was MVP two years in a row, Jim Plunkett, the Raider quarterback, was the MVP in the, uh, the 80 season Super Bowl. Montana, the MVP the next year. John Riggins was the MVP when the Redskins beat the Dolphins for their first Super Bowl win. And what's memorable about John Riggins is he once went to the White House, got drunk, and told a Supreme Court justice, Sandra Day O'Connor, the first female uh, Supreme Court justice, lighten up, Sandy, or relax, Sandy. It's, you know, because he was, I don't know what he was doing, but he was drunk at the White House. It was not a good look for Riggins. All right, so uh, the next year the Raiders were in, Los, but were in Los Angeles at that point. I believe Howie Long was on the Raiders then. Uh, and they beat, they crushed the Redskins. Marcus Allen was the MVP. The next year, Jerry Rice g- comes to the uh, 49ers, and they beat the Dolphins. They, Marino versus Montana. Montana won big. I believe that was in Stan- it was in Stanford. That was, I think that was the only time you had a, uh, well, no. It was the only time you had a winning team play in close proximity to their hometown. Now, Stanford is not where San Francisco plays, but it's within an hour. The Rams played at the Rose Bowl, but lost. And the Dolphins never played in, Dolphins played in L.A. and New Orleans. Boy, I didn't know they had a, they had a couple Super Bowls at uh, in New Orleans, but before the Superdome, Tulane Stadium and Rice Stadium. I thought it was the same place. Oh, Rice was in Texas. Well, they played in some strange places. Because now it's all NFL stadiums. Back then, they played in a lot of college stadiums. The Orange Bowl, the Rose Bowl, Tulane Stadium, Memorial, uh, Memorial Coliseum, where they used to hold the, uh, the Rose Bowl, basically. All right, so uh, where are we? We're at uh, 85. So 84 and 85 were blowouts. There was, a, there was a period of time where the Super Bowls were just terrible games to watch. Are these right, these, uh, these up here? These awards are out. Nick is the rookie defensive player of the year. That's not a surprise. The comeback player of the year is Ryan Tannehill. What did he come back from? The abyss. And he didn't even, didn't even play all year just when they decided to bench Marietta. Stephen Gilmore is the NFL defensive player of the year, the Patriots. That's not really a surprise either. I guess the MVP award will come tonight. And that's not going to be a surprise. It's got to be Jackson, right? I, don't see I, I would think either him or, or Russell Wilson, but I, I would give it to Lamar. Russell Wilson, I think, had a little bit of a hiccup 
Because uh, at one point he looked like, yeah, he's the only competition. A little bit of a, a rough stretch, a, a little bit of a rough stretch. I think Lamar Jackson wins that. All right, so 80, 84 and 85 were blowouts. 85 was like probably the worst Super Bowl of all time. And, and the greatest defensive team of all time, probably, the, the Chicago Bears, who beat the New England Patriots 46-10 to 10 in the Patriots' first Super Bowl. Now, Richard Dent was the MVP of that game. That was at the Superdome. Uh, the next year, Giants beat the Broncos 39-20. to 20. Sims, Phil Sims was the MVP. That was at the Rose Bowl. And the Redskins won the next. Redskins, now the 87 season was a strike season as well, but they did play 15 games. Unfortunately, three of them were with replacement players, so only 12 of them were real games. Uh, that year, the Redskins. The Redskins won two seasons that were strike years, which is kind of odd. Two of their three Super Bowls were in strike years because they won the, the 82 season, which nine games. The 87 season was 12 legitimate games and three strike games. Doug Williams was the MVP of that game, and that was at Jack Murphy Stadium in San Diego where the Padres and Chargers used to play. Uh, the next two years were 49ers. 49ers beat the Bengals by four. Jerry Rice was the MVP. That was a Joe Robbie in Miami. Denver beat my, uh, They beat Denver the next year 55-10, to 10. and Montana was the MVP. That was at the Superdome. And I, I recall Bronco fans back then said, we don't even want to be in the Super Bowl. They got blown out so bad in that game, and they were 0-4 in Super Bowls at that point. They just said, we don't even care anymore. We don't need to be in another Super Bowl. We don't need to be embarrassed like this. Three of them were Elway. The, the other one was, uh, I don't remember who the quarterback was before Elway, where they got crushed by the Cowboys. Uh, it might have been, uh, been a former Cowboy that was their quarterback back then. Dan Reeves, maybe. Uh, uh, not Dan Reeves. Um, Little. Craig Craig Morton, maybe? I don't know. All right, Floyd Little was a running back. All right, so the Niners win back-to-back. Then the Bills start their string of four straight. They they should have won the first one. The guy misses a kick. This is the 1990 season. Otis Anderson was the MVP that year, and that was at Tampa Stadium. See, everybody talks about the Bills as, you know, losing four straight. They really should have won that first one. That was a missed kick away, a missed field goal, a makeable field goal that he didn't make away from winning that. The next year it was the uh, Redskins. I guess that's legitimate one at the Metrodome. That was, that was the first warm weather, uh, cold weather Super Bowl at the Metrodome. I didn't realize, it was, I, I didn't realize I had another one there. Uh, that was the 90-91 season. Redskins win. They beat the Bills 37-24. Mark Rippon was the MVP, the MVP of that game. The following year, once again, the Buffalo Bills, crushed by the Cowboys 52-17 at the Rose Bowl. Troy Aikman, the MVP. The next year, Cowboys beat him again. One of those years was the uh, Leon Lett where he uh, picked up a fumble, was running for a touchdown, and uh, I want to say Don Beebe of the Bills knocked the ball out of his hands because he was holding out like a loaf of bread right before he crossed the goal line. So he didn't get the touchdown, didn't get anything. But the Cowboys won the game. And Emmett Smith was the MVP of that game. That was at the Georgia Dome. 
Following year was at Joe Robbie Stadium again. Niners crushed the Chargers. 90, that was the last Niners Super Bowl win. At that point, they were 5-0 and in the Super Bowl. That was the Chargers' first appearance. Uh, the next year was just tough to watch, tough to recall. That was the Cowboys and the Pittsburgh Steelers. And that was the end of the Cowboy dynasty. I mean, I hate to say it, that was a dynasty. They won three in four years. That's, that's a dynasty. The Cowboys crushed the Steelers. Larry Brown was the enemy. He was defensive back for the Cowboys, who was not particularly great or anything like that, but whoever the quarterback was for the uh, Pittsburgh Steelers, and my mind has escaped me who it was, Neil O'Donnell maybe, threw like three picks to Larry Brown. And I, when I say picks, the balls were like, it was like in his direction. It wasn't like he had to do much to pick them off. The balls were thrown to him. Larry Brown parlayed that into a huge contract with the Oakland Raiders and never did much with it, except cash checks. But he was the MVP of that Super Bowl. But that was the last time the Cowboys were in the Super Bowl. It was, what, 25 years ago? 24 years ago. Uh, the next year was Green Bay, Brett Favre, but Brett Favre wasn't the MVP. Desmond Howard was. I believe he returned a kick for a touchdown. That's why he was the MVP. They beat the Patriots 35-21. to And then Drew Bledsoe was the Patriot quarterback. He was a hot shot. He was a former number one pick. He was their, he was their quarterback of the Patriots, and he's the guy that got hurt, led the way for Brady to take over. The uh, Broncos beat the Packers the next year. The Broncos were, were un- big underdogs in that game. Well, maybe not, maybe seven-point underdogs. They upset the Packers uh, to win Elway's first Super Bowl, but Terrell Davis was the MVP. That was at Qualcomm Stadium, which I guess was the new name of Jack Murphy at that point. And the following year, the Broncos went with Mike Shanahan as their head coach. Mike Shanahan beats the Atlanta Falcons in 98, the 98 season, in Miami at Pro Player Stadium, which was probably – another version of whatever the stadium the Dolphins played in. But that was the year that Minnesota should have been in the Super Bowl, but wasn't. Anyway, Denver wins it anyway. And that was John Elway was the MVP. And then he walked off into the sunset. Rather than try to go for three in a row, he retired, which is a good thing because they wouldn't have been as good the next year. All right, we've got to take a break here. 888-729-9494 and pound 9494, your AT&T Verizon wireless cell phone. WIP Sports Time 521. Sports Radio 94, WIP, 2020 Sports. Brought to you by Parks Casino and Sportsbook. I'm Sue Schilling. Well, tomorrow, Super Bowl 54 between Andy Reid's Chiefs and the 49ers in Miami. And Travis Kelsey, tight end with the Chiefs, the brother of Jason Kelsey of the Eagles who went to the Super Bowl two years ago. And uh, Travis Kelsey says that experience with his brother is helping him this time around. It was a very unique situation because I got to see it almost secondhand and really kind of in the background of the Eagles, asking my brother everything that was going on that week. You know, it was unique how tight of a team they were, how, the, how their chemistry, they just felt like they were a brotherhood, even from the outside in. You could just tell how, how tight-knit that group was. With that being said, I think this team is the exact same feeling going into it, how much we appreciate each other and, and have fun on the field with each other and, you know, make sure we're doing the right thing so we're accountable for each other. You can hear Super Bowl 50 
64 right here on 94 WIP tomorrow night. Our coverage begins tomorrow afternoon at 2 o'clock. Get a risk-free bet of up to $500 on the big game. Download Parks Casino Sportsbook app or go to parkscasino.com slash PA for details. Parks, the only sportsbook backed by the number one casino in Pennsylvania. Must be 21. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. CBS 3 Eyewitness Weather. Partly uh, cloudy tonight, scattered rain or snow showers possible. Little to no accumulation expected, low 35. Cloudy tomorrow, breezy, slight chance for a p.m. shower, high 46. It's 42 in Philadelphia to stream 94 WIP. Get our podcast and all the latest stories in Philadelphia sports. Go to the all-new 94WIP.com. 2020 Sports on Sports Radio 94 WIP. All right, numbers here in Pennsylvania and everywhere. 888-729-9494 and pound 9494, your AT&T, Verizon Wireless cell phone. All right, joining us on the phone right now, John Johnson, who covers the uh, Sixers for us and our sister station. And last week at this time, we were wondering what the Sixers were going to do with the Lakers. And they beat the team with the best record in the West. They've already beaten – they blew them out. They've already blown out the team with the best record in the East. Yet they go down to Atlanta on Thursday night and get blown out by the Hawks, basically. What's with this team? They clearly decide when they want to show up and when they don't want to show up. And, you know, you hear a lot of, well, it was a classic trap game. They come off, you know, an emotional win, the Kobe tribute, and that went over uh, Golden State. They they start off a road trip in Atlanta, and they lose to a bad Hawks team. That's baloney. I don't buy that for a second because the Atlanta Hawks have had the Sixers number. You know, I think they're one and three against Atlanta, their first uh, last four um uh, times they face them this was uh an abysmal performance by the Sixers and uh from top to bottom from the players to the head coach and Brett Brown was horrendous in that game as well this is how you lose home court advantage in the playoffs losing to a team like the Hawks the Hawks are the worst team in the Eastern Conference and it's not even close and Shake Milton was the only positive that came out of the I didn't realize he was still on the roster honestly I thought he was like in the D-League but he, he actually had a very good game, but I don't know. It was tough watching that game. Oh, it was horrible to watch. And, you know, you know, Brett Brown decided he wanted the offense to run through Ben Simmons in this game, which is fine. But one thing you have to remember, if you're going to do that, you, you better make sure you keep Joel Embiid involved offensively. And he didn't do that. And Ben was very good for a vast majority of this game. The problem was nobody else was hitting their shots. Everybody was – I mean, everybody else was – horrible so when the deficit began to grow to grow and he didn't get joel involved joel just checked out of the game like both offensively and even worse defensively and b did not care what was going on in this game and he and he made it clear as day if you're watching the game you say what's joel doing he doesn't even care out there and then it wasn't until the fourth quarter when when things were on the verge of uh, potentially being blown out that he decided to get Embiid involved offensively, and Embiid was ice cold. He was missing shots. He was horrible from the free throw line. You know, this is uh, that's a bad job by the head coach, and believe me, Embiid deserves his for checking out. But that's a horrible job, you know, by the head coach. You're supposed to know your players, what makes them tick, how to keep them involved, keep them interested. And if Embiid's, you know, uh, giving half effort, you yank him. You put him on the bench. You have you get to the point. You have to make an example to show that you mean business. I mean, this is a season of such high expectations 
and uh, what he allowed him to do. And then, and in addition to that, Howell Neto, who has been, he's had ups and downs. Uh, he was horrible in the first half in Atlanta, just, uh, just horrendously bad. And it continued into the third quarter. So if you're the head coach, you're looking for some type of spark to get this team out of the slump, get them back on track. You're supposed to beat the Atlanta Hawks. Uh, Trey Burke is rotting on the bench. He never once looked his way. That's a horrible job by Brett Brown uh, in Atlanta. A horrible job. And he was outcoached by Lloyd Pierce, his former assistant. Uh, it was a, kind of a, an odd thing on Tuesday night. They Howell scored 19 points in the first half, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Did, didn't score yeah. in the second half, but they left him in. Uh, ben Simmons was supposed to go in the game, but he waved he waved him off basically and said, "No, this guy's hot. Leave him in." I've never seen that before. Yeah, it was yeah it was that first half where Neto had 19 points, the Golden State game, and right. uh, Ben Simmons was scheduled to check back in, and uh, he said to Brett Brown, "Leave me, you know, let let him just ride the hot hand." Which, I mean, I don't you know I don't honestly don't have an issue with that. The one thing that, that, that we're learning about Ben, you know, we criticize him a lot for his unwillingness to shoot, and it's all justifiable. But the one thing we are realizing watching him night in and night out, he does care. He wants to win. You see him giving full effort all the time. Uh, and, you know, that example with Neto, is a, it's, it's a, you know, that's a great testament to him trying to be, to be a team player and just the W means more than anything else. His counterpart, the other cornerstone of this franchise, I praise Joel Embiid for, you know, ever since they drafted him for the talent that he possesses. And throughout the course of this season in particular, he's becoming more and more immature and childlike and beyond all that selfish, completely selfish. And games like last night are the prime example of a player who's only thinking inward because he's not being involved in the offense. He completely check, uh, checks out. You know, effort is, you don't need talent uh, to have to play with effort. It's the one thing you don't need any talent for. And he gave zero effort in that game in Atlanta, and it's one of the reasons they lost the game. Well, Ben is the one that gets most of the – I listen after the games and, and watch – Ben's the one that seems to get most of the criticism, not Joel Embiid. You're saying it should right. be the other way around? Uh, the way that – see, this is the way I'm looking at it. We know Ben deserves to be criticized when push comes to shove. You know, Embiid double teamed. You're in the fourth quarter. You know, the defense is sagging off on Ben, and he's reluctant to shoot the ball. That's where you know that's where it matters the most, and that's and it's going to come up again. Boy, the moment they get through 82 games and into the playoffs, because every team's going to dare him to shoot. But the way Embiid is playing right now, um, he's completely disinterested in the game unless you keep him involved all the time, and he needs to be called out for it because it, it makes everybody else around him look bad. Um, and it's I, I, we were in this you know age of the NBA. The players have always had the power, but Embiid and Simmons have absolute power when it comes to this particular franchise. And uh, allowing Embiid to get away with certain things, and the coach not reprimanding him, not calling him out for things. You know, Brett Brown said after the game in Atlanta, he, he called the defensive effort by the team a C. I'm like a C. It was, it was, I, I would have even hesitated and said, no, it was an F. We were horrible. We played with no effort for three quarters of this game. And, you know, I, I, to your point, Rob, yes, we should be calling out and be far more than we are. So you're saying that uh, Brett Brown grades on a curve. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> you better believe he does. And, 
I, I, you know, I, we all know how important Joel Embiid is to this franchise. He's more important than Ben Simmons, uh, in my opinion. But, you know, to allow him just to do whatever he wants without ever criticizing him, I mean, it, it sets such a bad example and such a bad precedent around that locker room to see Joel just jogging up and down the court and not even bothering to, to get up for defensive rebounds and, you know, and you see other guys around him hustling, and you're like, well, what's going on here? And the coach never says anything to him. It sets a bad example. It sounds like he's taking a step forward and a step back, and he's done that several times this year. Uh, when he got criticized by Charles and uh, and Shaq, I guess, for not going, trying to get you know 40 every night or whatever it is. And then he, he, he finally, after, and after being very defensive about it, he comes on with, both, with them on a, on a post-game show. This is a Celtics game. On a Thursday night, yeah. he said, "He said you guys are right. I apologize. I, you know, I listen to you guys, and it's not like, oh, he's finally getting it. He's finally becoming mature about it, and he's finally realizing that yes, you can take criticism. Yes, you're allowed to do that, and these guys are looking for your out for your best. He come, and then he reverts to this. He gets hurt. He comes back early from an injury. Had a great game on uh, Tuesday night, an inspirational mm-hmm. game Tuesday night, and now this." Yeah, um, and one thing we should keep in mind, aside, you know, you're coming back from injury, you want to show that you're healthy and you belong, you know, you belong to stay on that court and not, you know, shouldn't have more time off. Keep in mind the games that he's showing up and those he's checking out at times, which isn't totally uncommon, but it doesn't mean you shouldn't call him out on it. Nationally televised games. You know, the game we're talking about was the Boston game on national TV tonight in Boston. It's an ABC game. It's a nationally televised game. So he will show up for these games when he knows everybody's watching. When there's games he deems less important, you know, he can have moments where he completely checks out. And for a team who, you know, I remember vividly before the season, both Brett Brown and Embiid saying, we want the first seed, we want 60 wins. This team doesn't have a chance at 60 wins. First and seed. Right they're, now, they're lucky if they're, they're a home, field, home court in the first round. Right, exactly. And it's because of games, you know, they're 9-16 and 16 on the road. It's because of their road record. They check out on the road a lot of the time. And that's a, a terrible sign of, uh, of team camaraderie, of coaching. You know, I mean, when you're on the road, there's no distractions. There's no, you know, I'm, I'm at home in front of the home crowd with the pressure or you don't have friends and family, you know, pulling you one way or the other to do stuff whenever you're not at practice or at a game. It's just you and your teammates. And for them to uh, to be 9-16 and 16 on the road and – play down to their opponent almost every one of those games that they lost, that's a horrible telltale sign of really the culture that's built together between, you know, the teammates and, and, and that staff all together. It's, it's for a team with such aspirations, as we just talked about, they get that number one seed. When you lose games like the one in Atlanta and these other games, this is how you lose home court advantage and you end up with a complete waste of a season. And it really sounds like the coach is, is part of the problem here right now. Not part of the, he's not been part of the solution because Embiid's like up and down. He's like he's he gets suspended for a couple games. He thinks it's a joke. He, you know, you get he, he in, in the Boston game we reference. He finally realizes that you know he's got to take it all himself. He's got to be his best player every night. And then he has a game like this. It's like I something seems out of control with his team. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, uh, it's it's a great way you put it. I. I Brett Brown is not part of the problem, but he's not part of the solution either. And, you know, for all – I mean, you know how it is, Rob. Anytime you're doing a show talking about the Sixers that they're coming off a loss, whether it's on the airwaves or social media, the first thing, it's fire Brett Brown. Fire Brett Brown. 
And, uh, you know, 99% of the time it's just way overkill, and they think that's the simplification to fix everything. And it certainly is not. But he's certainly not helping either. I mean, he is uh, – he's not, you know, uh, you know, nurturing this type of uh, culture or character or behavior. But he, he's not uh, – at a certain point, and it's probably too late for him, you're expecting him to put his foot down and say, no, this can't happen. If you do it again, there's going to be consequences. And for the two players that mean the most, that are the most important uh, in Simmons and Embiid, there was never that consequence. So I don't think there ever will be with Brett Brown. So, uh, you know, unless Embiid and Simmons figure it out on their own, become mature professionals uh, throughout the course of the 82 in the playoffs, they're going to cost Brett Brown his job. The fans aren't turning on this team, from what I can see. Even even though when they because they lose their games on the road at home, they're winning every game just about. So uh, crowds are still love them. I'm assuming. No, they of course they love them at home. When you're 22 and two at home, it's it's great. But if you're if you're the if you finish the five seeds or, or lower, then it means nothing because you're playing most of your games on the road. And you know the one thing we know about the playoffs, uh, there's no more hiding in the playoffs. You're playing the same team a minimum of four times. You're not game planning for 12 hours and then moving on for the next, to the next opponent. You know, there's, you can't, all your uh, deficiencies, your shortcomings become exposed, you know, and the opposing team will bring them to light and use them against you for a minimum of four consecutive games. And, you know, seeing the way that they've been playing, um, when you look at the standings, the 16 teams currently lined up to be uh, an NBA playoff team, eight in the East, eight in the West, other than the Orlando Magic. The Sixers have the worst road record of any NBA playoff team. That's absurd. I mean, it's disgusting. And when you see them play down to their opponent the way that they are, I mean, there are times where it reminds me a lot, Rob, of the Eagles of this past season where uh, many of the players admitted you know, towards the end of the year when they, you know, kind of turned the ship around to get into the playoffs that they thought they could show up somewhere and just win, you know, because of, because they, they have the talent, they've done it before. And I get the feeling a lot of the times that many of the players on the Sixers roster feel like they can just show up uh, and, and win based on talent alone. And clearly they're finding out that's not the case. All right. They've got three more games left on the road trip. Everybody assumed they'd beat Atlanta. The three teams, in, three of the teams are in, all three of them now are in front of them in the standings and they're terrible on the road. Which of these games are they going to win? If any, I'm fully expecting them to win tonight in Boston. Um, you know, Al Horford's back. He had a game off uh, in Atlanta. Kemba Walker is out. He has knee soreness. So I am 100, and it's a nationally televised game. It's on it's on ABC. It's an 8:30 game. So I'm expecting Embiid to show up for this game. Uh, you know, and as we mentioned, Ben has been giving effort. He cares. So I'm fully expecting the Sixers to win tonight. And then I'm trying to think, what was the? I know they they wrap up the road trip Miami, in Milwaukee. Miami is Monday night. Milwaukee is thir- Thursday night. Is that a TNT game Thursday night? Because that, that... I, I think it. I think it is. Yeah. I, you know, I, off the top of my head, I'm expecting a loss in Miami. Milwaukee's going to be very, very interesting. But if they lose tonight, boy, oh, boy, uh, they're going to deserve every bit of criticism coming to them. There's no excuse to lose tonight in Boston. Well, they'll get it tomorrow from me, if nothing else. All right, John, <laughs> John, appreciate you jumping on with us. Talk to you, Rob. John Johnson. Uh, 888-729-9494, pound 94, your AT&T, Verizon Wireless, cell phone. WIP Sports Time is 541. 
Sports Radio 94, WIP 2020 Sports. Brought to you by Bud Light Seltzer. I'm Sue Schilling. Super Bowl 54 tomorrow between Andy Reid's Chiefs and the 49ers in Miami. And Brent Selleck, former tight end for the Eagles, who played under Reid when he was the head coach of the Eagles, talked about his time under Coach Andy Reid. Well, I mean, growing up, I was always a fan of football. So, I mean, that guy is just, he was a legend before I even got here. And uh, to meet him, I think he lived up to every expectation I ever um, had of him. And uh, he was just, he's like the godfather, man. Like, I don't know how else to say. He's like the godfather of coaching. The Sixers will once again be in a primetime Saturday night game, this time against the Celtics in Boston, tipping off at 8.30. Flyers also in action tonight, hosting Colorado, face-off 7 o'clock. Watch the Super Bowl this Sunday at the Post in University City for the Go Birds podcast watch party. Enjoy Bud Light Seltzer specials all game. Uh, details at 94wip.com slash events. CBS 3 Eyewitness Weather, scattered rain, snow showers possible tonight and throughout the overnight. No accumulation is expected, low 33. Tomorrow, Sunday, mostly cloudy, breezy, isolated showers mainly in the afternoon and the evening. High 46. It's 42 in Philadelphia to stream 94 WIP. Get our podcast and all the latest stories in Philadelphia sports. Go to the all new 94 WIP.com. Sports on Sports Radio 94 WIP. All right, 888 729 pound 94 Your AT&T Verizon wireless cell phone. That's the boys of summer, right? No? Maybe not. <laughs> I thought it was. It's not. All right, um, and it's February 1st, and tomorrow's Groundhog's Day. So uh, there's the NFL is doing their award show tonight, but some of the awards have already been, either been handed out or they've told people about them. Christian McCaffrey is the Fantasy Player of the Year. What the hell is this award? Fantasy Player of the Year? Fantasy Football. Where did this come from? Who I makes up these awards? I didn't even know it was a thing. I didn't either. Now. The Fantasy Player of the Year is Christian McCaffrey. Because he had a thousand yards rushing and a thousand yards receiving, All right? He's isn't he also up for MVP? Should have been. He, well, he might be. He might well, but he's not going to win it because uh, Lamar Jackson's probably going to win it. But he's certainly in the running, or at least uh, somebody that uh, it will be in consideration if they tally votes. I guess he'll get some. So, uh, and and tonight's the hall. They're going to announce the Hall of Fame as well, but because it's this day and age, people, some people have to be first, and. We already know a couple of the uh, people that are getting, they're going in. I wonder, the guy from the Hall of Famer, forget his name, Baker, Frank Baker or something? It's a big guy. Because I, 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 he was on, uh, I guess, the NFL Network when they announced the, uh, early, last month they announced all the uh, Hall of Fame uh, in the class of 100, the veterans that were going in. And Hal Carmichael was one of the people that he talked to. And he also gives a speech at the Hall of Fame. I wonder when he tells people they're going in, does he, he, he must tell them you got to keep it a secret. You know, don't, don't let out, don't let don't tell anybody until we announce, make the official announcement. Cause Harold obviously knew beforehand. I think he was over at NFL films that day. Uh, or maybe that night. Cause he did a live interview. It was good morning football. That's what it was. He was on live on good morning football. Cause he clearly knew. They announced it at like eight o'clock in the morning. 
who, who's gone in the Hall of Fame, who, who from the veteran class has gone in. Well, I, I'm just wondering if this guy Frank Baker tells people, don't tell anybody till this particular time. Well, Steve Atwater, the Denver Broncos, longtime Denver Broncos safety, told the Denver Post he's going in, or told somebody from the Denver, Denver Post, and Edgerin James posted it on Instagram. So that's two. There's five that are going in. We Now we know two of them because Steve Atwater told the Denver Post and Edgerin James posted it on Instagram. The rest, I guess, you'll have to find out tonight unless somebody decides to put it on Facebook or Twitter or Instagram or wherever. All right, uh, let's go to Mitchie Tools. Mitch, you're on 94 WIP. Hold on a second, Mitch. I, gotta, I can't do that manually. i got to do it with the mouse. Go ahead, Mitch. Go ahead. Hey, Rob. How you doing? Good. Long time no here. Uh, what? I haven't heard from him in a while. It's hard to hear you. I said I haven't okay, heard yeah, from him. Yeah, I just spoke. Your, your brother was just in the other day. So Tell him I like said chatting hi. with him. Tell him I said hi. <laughs> yeah. You know, my my mom lives out near Lower Murray, and, uh, you know, I would pass that place a thousand times, and the other night I went by, just my my gut wrench. This is, I mean, you know, we, we've talked about it enough, but just, uh, I, I just still can't believe he's gone. Uh, I just, all he did for uh, that school, too. I mean, he did so much for yeah, that school. Yeah, God, right? I could. My God bless him and his family and everybody. Um, I want to talk about you know, Andy Reid, a couple of things, Carson Wentz. And, you know, Carson Wentz, we love him. But comparing to the quarterbacks that are playing tomorrow, Patrick Mahone, God, Carson Wentz is, is steps behind both of these guys. And what, what do you oh, think about he, the year? Is he, hold on. Is he behind Garoppolo? It just seems that... You know, okay, we won four straight games, and I'm, I'm not, you know, I'm not, you know, talking bad about Carson, but we won four straight games. But I mean, just looking at Patrick Mahomes, he can run, he could do his whole package. Okay, he's, how good is this year, really, this Carson Wentz of ours? This let, is the this on. is the thing I just wanted to ask you a question about. Patrick that. Mahomes was the MVP last year. You know, who was the MVP the year before that, or should have been the MVP? Carson Wentz. Yeah. For th- thirteen games, he was the MVP. So no, he's not that far behind Patrick Mahomes now. He's he's catching up. He's still got some catching up to do because he was injured last year. He came back. He was still injured, and he didn't have the kind of year he wanted yeah. to. He's starting to play well at the end of this year. He also had two big games against two of the best teams he played this year, Green Bay and Buffalo. Yeah. So and we and don't just know. Just looking at Andy, listen. I know you, I uh, I think they're going to win the Mark Kansas City, but God, you know his his career it's uh, it's resurrected, but he he keeps changing. Why wasn't he like that when he was here? It seems like he's. He's changing. He's adapting to these players on Kansas City, and you know when he was here, it was like okay, he was a, he was a very good coach, but just didn't seem like, you know, again he had, didn't have the players to really go forward. He was no it was so fun. it was very frustrating, he as was, you know, when he was he here. Was no fun when he was here. And look, I I, yeah. I I said this all along. Ten years of frustrating losing in the playoffs. It's like yeah, great they made the playoffs, but at some point you have to win. Doug Peterson got there in two years a championship. I'd rather have yeah. that. I'd rather have that in five years of being bad. If you win one yeah. championship, I just wanted to feel what it was like to win a championship. We never did with him, and I don't care that he's going to win it somewhere else. It, it's, I I get no joy out of that. I remember when he with him it was it was Donovan McNabb and Andy Reid holding hands on the sideline, walking down to this with the super for the Super Bowl. It's like, hey, we could we could win this one, you know, but <laughs> came up short. Uh, look, look, and, and I'm not blaming them for losing the Super Bowl. That was a better team they played against. That was a dynasty yeah. they played against. But that was also yeah. a winnable game that they could have won. Also, real fast, I, you know, Shady, I, we don't need it. We, you know, we're not going to 
you know, think about really bringing him back. What do you think about that? No, no. All he, all that Shady said is when he retires, he wants to retire as an Eagle. That's all. Yeah, he's not going to play here. No, I mean two years ago. So we'll, have, we'll have. Yeah. Two years ago would have been a good idea to bring him back. That was a thought. Yeah. I think when uh, when some people got hurt, but no, he's he's not. He doesn't. Yeah, we'll have, have a couple good running backs next year. Yeah. Uh, listen, I I don't think I, I don't have a problem with their running game. Uh, Sanders was probably the best revelation we saw this year, aside from Carson Wentz getting through the season healthy. I know what happened in the playoffs, yeah. but he proved he can play 16 games, and he started to get back to where well, one, he was. One thing real fast, and I'll run along. You said Carson, you're not worried about the running game, but again, we need a guy can really have an arm to throw long, and Carson Wentz doesn't have a bomb arm. Right. That's what really wins games against these big teams. It's funny because he had a bomb arm when he had Deshaun Jackson. Yeah, well, hopefully he'll <laughs> – yeah. yeah, he threw two bombs in Hopefully that game. He'll be back healthy. Well, yeah. yeah, I wouldn't count on him, but yeah, I'd like to see. <laughs> well, because he's getting older. He's getting another year, another yep. year older, and yep. this injury didn't it lingered all year. Yeah. So, be right. well. Good to talk to you, Rob. Thanks, Mitch. Uh, appreciate it. No, I don't. I don't have. We're still we're still questioning Carson Wentz's arm. First game of the year, two bombs, two sixty-yard passes to to Sean Jackson. That's not a question. His arm is fine. When he has people open, he's fine. Is he is he inaccurate at times? Yeah, I mean everybody's inaccurate at times. Could he have had a better percentage? Yeah, he could have. Is what was it? Sixty two this year. It was sixty eight last year, and he was better this year than he was last year. It was only like sixty one the year they won the Super Bowl. So it's not always about the higher completion percentage. It's about how effective you are. He was obviously very effective in 2017, wasn't as effective last year, but was very effective at the end of this year and had some big games against some of the better teams they played. Now, keep in mind, if if people don't drop passes in the Atlanta game and uh, what was the game they lost, the, the Detroit game, there were, there were winnable games they played that guys dropped passes that could have been touchdowns. It would have changed that. Instead of going to the playoffs at 9-7, and seven, you're 11-5. and five. And people aren't ripping him as much, or maybe ripping him more. But look, quarterback always gets ripped. It's just the way it is. Quarterback is always the guy that, that takes the heat. And, and listen, that that's how it should be. They get paid the most money. They're the stars of the team. But he didn't get a lot of help from his receivers this year. He didn't get a lot of help from his personnel people this year, figuring out who could play or who could bring in. They didn't make any trades to, to improve the team. So he's not all to blame for what happened this past year. And look, they did make the playoffs. They did have a. I know it was a bad division, and I still think he's if he's healthy in that game. If he doesn't get knocked out with a concussion, they win that game. We'll never know though. Ruben Frank is coming up next. Anthony Foley was our producer. Stay tuned for that. I'll be back tomorrow at one o'clock. WIP Sports Time is five fifty-seven. Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details.